time for a new episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Allen Iverson is always going to be my all-time point guard. The real AI? Practice. We're talking about practice, not the game. His contributions to professional baseball cannot be denied. Uh, you sure about that? Then why is he not in Cooperstown? Come on, puss. Nope, Hattie old girl, he takes a backseat to Joe Montana. Two years now we've been doing this bullshit. Yeah, I can't believe podcast hasn't thrown us off the air. Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne? <sighs> Reggie Wayne. <laughs> Hot take. Taylor vs. Serrano, 2022 Fight of the Year, baby. Two women sold out Madison Square Garden. Incredible. You're the biggest homer ever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. You leave my Dodgers, Steelers, and my Penguins out of this. We did a lot of hockey talk last year. I enjoyed that. Well, it's a great sport. Kill a guy with skates. What's better? It's true. All right. One-on-one, full contact, both in their prime, LeBron versus Jordan. Come on, Hattie, old girl. You really think that deserves an answer? Okay. Fine. We'll take it. Coming soon on Steel Toes and Scoreboards, a top 25 QB episode. Beto. Nope. Not after that point guard cluster episode. <laughs> oh, man. Tyson Fury versus Mike Tyson in their prime. I'm pretty sure somebody named Tyson would win. <laughs> <laughs> this Live Golf versus PGA Tour feud has been an incredible news story this year. It's a pissing contest, but it has been funny. That Waco episode did killer numbers on our downloads. See, good thing we cover more than just sports. Have I worked a pro wrestling reference in yet tonight? And here we go, folks. Once again, he gets going. Well, you know. <laughs> I like wrestling. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Peyton, Brady, Breeze, and soon-to-be Rogers all retired. Who's the next crop to stand up and take their place? We've got to start talking more to college hoops. Oh, I'm waiting on you to pull the trigger. Commissioner Kirk Kelly in the house, everybody. I'm here to save the MLB. Anything to say to your fans? Peace, love, and Ozzy Osbourne. Hot take right here. He's the greatest second baseman to ever play the game. You're kidding me, right? You can't be serious. All right, Puss. You ready to get into it? Sure bet. Hey, old girl, let's piss some people off. (laughs) And as he said, we sure do. (laughs) Guys, a very new episode happening right now. Welcome back to another episode of Steel Toes and Motorhead. The devil's with the iron fist. We were rocking out to Motorhead. Dude, I'm pumped. Yeah, me too. This is the first time I've seen you since May 7th. Yeah. When we released uh, our first watch along episode. Yeah. Since that time, we've done three or four weeknight chronicles. Right. But it's the first time we are together in person. Right. And uh, timestamp for posterity, it is Monday night, July 3rd. Our first Monday night recording episode. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Nobody's working tomorrow. Nope. So why don't we fucking podcast? Yep, yep. And uh, I'm trying to think. What's what's the only sport going on right now? What's the... Uh, baseball. Yeah, baseball. Maybe like in the middle of the season. just about. Yeah, I'll, <clears throat> approaching the uh, summer, Midsummer Classic. Yeah, yeah, yep. So why don't we do a World uh, Series? Hop in her time machine. 
Uh, yes, yes. Uh, we are going to go back and pick up one that we missed uh, last year, an anniversary series. Uh, so we're going to hit it tonight. So uh, let's see, 82, 92, 2002, so this will be the 31st anniversary? Uh, yes. Let's go back 31 years to October of 1982. That'd be more now, wouldn't it? 31. No. Uh, 40. It'd be 40. 40. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. Uh, 40. 41. Math, anybody? <laughs> 82, 92, 2002. Two, I skipped 2012. That's what I did. So, 41 years. Yeah. that's uh, Unfortunately, that's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we uh, before we jump into this, uh, I just want to say that we didn't um, we didn't put out a, a a a shitload of content last month. We had three episodes last month. Right, they were all weeknight chronicles. Uh, but we still stayed loyal with our listeners. We had seventy eight downloads cool. for the month of June, which. Uh, that's not bad. To a lot of people, that's not that much, but to two idiots like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hashtag tits, two yeah. idiots talking yeah. sports. Missed, missed the boat. That's uh, 78 is pretty good when we only put out three hour, hour and a half long episodes for the entire month. So, right. um, yeah, uh, I reached out, by the way, to some of the After Two Beers crew. Okay. We kind of dropped the ball. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they wanted us to, we want they wanted us to get together with them every quarter. You remember that? So yeah. it's like three or four times a month. Right. We drive to Richmond, or right. they drive to us, or we meet halfway and find a place to rent for a few hours and right. record. So I was like, hey, uh, the end of twenty twenty two and the first half of twenty twenty three has been fucking nuts. So um, I was like, let's just plan on getting together. If you guys want to do it in the month of July, want to do it in the month of August, or if you want to wait till September again, let us know. Kurt and I will make the trip up again. Yeah, yeah. We're only going to be smart about this time, though. We're going to go up a night and maybe stay a night. Yeah. Kurt and I are going to cuddle together in a bed. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> Dude, uh, look at me. Uh, I am like a teddy bear. Would you not want to cuddle with this? Uh, it's still pretty warm that time of year. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to be cuddling. Wait, I hit the applause. That's <laughs> We done fucked it all up already. Uh, hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Every time. Uh, if you if you go back in our archives wherever you get your podcasts at, a lot of times I'd make uh, sexual innuendos and Kurt would go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here tonight with my best friend, my co-host. I couldn't do a show without him, Kurt Kelly, who is no longer the beautiful bearded bastard. He's the uh, short-haired, goateed bastard. Uh, well, you know what I tell you. I'm, I'm telling you, I think you're trying to pick up a woman. No. I think you're picking up chicks. You look no, a little. No, no, no. It's cooler. Look. I'm fat. I sweat. Me too. So I'm telling all... you what, it was so hot. I'm telling you, it, it stays in the exhilarating, overheating 55 degrees in the cut room. Yeah. Must be all right. That'd be sweet. And it's like negative. It's, it's negative temperatures in the big freezer. Hell, I could probably work in there. <laughs> I don't much care for the heat. I don't, especially around Actually, here. Actually, it was so cold in there this morning, I had to put my long sleeves down. I was cold this morning and for the first hour. It's been especially rough so far this year with all the smoke in the air. Canada's on fire, yeah, eh? Yeah, they're doing that shit on purpose. And fire, eh? Somebody is, eh? 
Well, bro, it's 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 damn good to see you. Right. Uh, I'm glad we still have a show. And uh, officially, officially, what we're recording tonight is our 75th episode. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I've seen your episode count on, on iTunes and stuff. You got more. Right. We've got a lot of bonus material out there, and right. I put some stuff right. out on my own. But officially, Steel Toes and Scoreboards content-wise... This is our 70... Can you believe 75 fucking episodes? Right, pretty crazy. And nobody's <laughs> pulled the plug on us yet? Well, not yet. Or not that we know of. Oh, God. I mean... Oh. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'm always uh, excited to do baseball. We got, we got Papa John's delivery on the way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we're going to eat, and uh, we'll, or we're going to record a little bit, take a break to eat. They're never going to know we're gone. Nope. Never know where God's the magic. It's the magic of the pause oh, button. Podcast. <laughs> but uh, let's get into it. So we present to you tonight uh, the 1982 World Series. And uh, we're going to switch up the formula a little bit tonight. I don't know if we're going to plug any unofficial sponsors. We haven't did it in a while. I'm starting to rethink this. I'm, I'm, what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to actually start to uh, maybe try to get legitimate Modernization and sponsorships out of this because we have the download requirements met by our RSS host, which is Podbean. So I might start to look see if we can if we can make twenty bucks a month. That's ten bucks each. That's uh, that's not quite covering the cost of the hosting, but it's 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 covering half the cost. It costs us about forty dollars a month to do the show. Uh, Yeah, I mean, shit, that'd be worth it. All right. but uh, we're gonna we're gonna be playing or uh, playing a little bit more audio. I look at uh, the World Series. We we've, we've done numerous World Series recaps, and I look at the one we did in September, uh, which is uh, probably our our best World Series episode. That was the 1990 Reds and uh, uh, Athletics. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was quite as good as what the '85 World Series was. Which would also feature the Cardinals, who we're covering tonight. But uh, we had a lot more. Uh, we play some clips and we talk a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bear with us here tonight. I'm gonna try to tweak the format a little bit to see if we can't spice things up for right, uh, right. the Steel Toes and Scoreboards universe out there. And I want to start right now, leading into the show by playing one brief uh, audio. Snip it. What you're gonna play? No, no, you don't. Yeah, do. No, you don't. Maybe. Cardinals. I'm gonna play the Cardinals winning call. Oh yeah, that's what I thought you. Oh okay. Suitor. Yeah, and and we'll get into that. Who's making the call? Uh, should be Jack Buck, right? Well, uh, he wasn't the one doing the TV, was he? It would have been Vin Scully. (laughs) Kurtz Vin Scully. Uh, would it been to Vin Scully? Vin, I think Tony Vin. Kubek, Tony Kubek, Joe Guerrero-Giola. So, well, let's Dick find Enberg. out. Let's, uh, Dick Enberg. Dick Einberg. Enberg. Enberg. That's who it was. All right. So, I present to you now a shout-out. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, all information presented tonight is factual. Any information that is opinionated-based uh, will be prefaced before saying being said, which obviously you should know me and Kurt's fucked up opinions. It's <laughs> our moral compass is in the shitter. It's amazing we can even get out of bed in the morning. But uh, 
I figured I'd put that out there. Of course, uh, the 1970 copyright law, yada, yada, yada. All the shit we're doing tonight is strictly for education and entertainment. And all copyrights belong to the proper parties. Uh, Shout out Major League Baseball uh, for this clip uh, as we lead into the episode. I feel like Conrad Thompson. We're nine minutes into this episode. We haven't even started covering anything yet. Uh, but here we go as we we play the clip. The winning call. Here you go, Kurt. I'll even turn it over so you can see it. One day we'll have a nice studio where we can watch all this shit on a big screen and not have to hold the phone up to the mic. You mean like two beers? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. You son of a bitches. What happened there? Uh, man. <laughs> Well, let's let's start it Please over. Stand by. Sooner from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. Kurt's favorite word. Pandemonium. And that was Jack Buck. Or Joe Buck or Jack Buck. And that's a winner. Miller Light versus Anheuser Busch. Milwaukee versus St. Louis. Um All right, so uh, I reckon let's let's get into this now. Uh, and again, uh, the 1982 World Series was the 79th. As everybody knows, there was a couple years there in the beginning where they had the first World Series, and right. they didn't have a couple after that. Right. So the 82 World Series was actually the 79th World Series, and it was a best of seven, and it went to seven games, featuring. The National League champion, St. Louis Cardinals, and the, at the time, American League, League yep. Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers. Yep. Uh, obviously, as you just heard, the Cardinals would win that game in Game 7. The Cardinals' last World Series appearance prior to 1982 was in 1968, which we covered back in January. Check it out in our archives. The 68 World Series, which was our first right, vintage World right, Series. right. Against the Detroit Tigers, Tigers. which they lost. Bob Gibson had a one ERA, and they still fucking lost. Oh wow! Uh, The car, the Walla, excuse me. While the Cardinals had last been in the World Series in 1968, prior to '82, a Milwaukee team, the Braves, who would later become the Atlanta Braves, had last been in a World Series in 1958. Fun fact. The Milwaukee Brewers of 1982 started as an expansion team named the Seattle Pilots in 1969, who would then move to Milwaukee two seasons later and change their name to the Brewers. Now, before we get into this, Kurt and I need to pull out our favorite article, which kind of sets the tone for this. Oh, yeah. These World Series recaps. Worth ranked, yeah. Uh, This this comes to us from... uh, ESPN staffer Sam Miller, who wrote this article in October of 2020 in the hours following the COVID-19 World Series that Kurt bitches about, even though his team won. His team won, and he still bitches. We played a third of the year, yeah. Yep, so to borrow this from this, 
To rank every fall classic, we lean on four primary factors, which is game leverage index, borrowed from baseballreference.com, which measures how close the game is on each play and how likely the next play is to shift each team's chances of winning. Basically, a game that's close for nine innings and won by a walk-off in the tent will rate much better than one in which a team jumps ahead in the first inning and runs away with the game. Secondly, they rank it by championship leverage index from borrowed from the baseball gauge. This is similar to the game leverage, except it includes how close the series is. Obviously, that means a seven-game series would be more exciting right. and memorable right. and rate better than a 4-0 sweep. Uh, factor number three, how memorable the series was. The 1988 World Series, which is an anniversary series this year that we will cover, right. it wasn't very close, but it produces instant recall for one moment alone, which is... Uh, Kirk Gibson's home run, yes. You fucking homer. <laughs> and then basically, uh, factor number four is how historically significant the World Series was and how satisfying that history is. So, well, that where de- will... You know, that depends on who you ask. Well... Uh, Based we, off those factors, I mean, I, there's a few in there. I, I, I question. Where will this 1982 <laughs> World Series rank? Definitely top fifty, I think. We we shall find out. Right? We I'm shall saying find top fifty. I can't, I can't. I can't. I can't disclose that information yet. Okay. But uh, before we get into this, I love saying that. Let's take a look back at the 1982 regular season. Would right. you like to? Yeah, absolutely. Hank Aaron was elected to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Cal Ripken Jr. was the AL Rookie, Rookie of the, of the year. year. Yeah. Steve Carlton of my uh, Phillies was, took home the NL Cy Young Award. Some guy that played in this World Series by the name of Robin Yunt, whoever the fuck that is, Yunt. Yunt. <laughs> took home the AL MVP, while Dale Murphy of the Atlanta Braves took home the MVP honors for the National League. All right. Would you like to hear some Gold Glove Awards? Sure. Uh, for the Love AL, Gold Glove, yeah. For the AL, Ron Guidry. Uh, for the National League, Phil Necro out of Atlanta. Uh, really? Catcher Gary Carter. Oh yeah. yeah. For the National yeah. League and Bob Boone for the American League. First baseman with powder on his nose, Keith Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead and tell everybody. Uh, I'm gonna stop. Go ahead and tell everybody what you told me while we were off air earlier. Uh, just uh, use re- use use doing your homework right? this week. Yeah. He's watching the games, and uh, I just had I think it was game. I don't even remember. You what got game in the comment section, which well, is always hilarious. Section, and somebody says, "What's all that white powder around him guys' nose?" <laughs> huh? Oh man. Well, I know performance enhancing. <laughs> Uh, Eddie Murray for Baltimore took home the first baseman for the AL. Did he ever win a World Series? Eddie Murray? Yeah. I don't think he did. I'm just, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just. Well, let's look. Damn good hitter, man. We're in the Google machine now just for Kurt, just for my co host. Sorry, folks. It's okay. It's our show. Fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) sorry listeners uh we gotta know if eddie murray's in the hall of fame i think he might be in the hall of fame and if he won a world series i'm pretty sure he went in the hall of fame when i was in high school okay eddie murray became the third player in history to record both 3,000 hits and 500 home runs 
He was enshrined in Cooperstown in 2003. I was still in high school. Yeah, I was yeah, right. Yeah. Now, the biggest thing is, did he win I don't think he's got a World brain. Series? He, uh, he played in a couple... Played in at least one World Series, I know. Well, against my Phillies. Uh, right. Yes. Who, do, who was it with? Uh, Baltimore. Okay. Over the Phillies. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go, huh? Yeah. All right. What year was that? That would have been the 80... 84, 80, no. I'm thinking uh, the Phillies were... So we're covering 82 tonight. I think that would have been the next year. 83. I think that would have been 83. 83. Okay, yeah. Look at us go. Wow. Thank you, Google machine. That's right. All right. Uh, second base, gold gloves, Manny Trio. Oh, your Phillies. Uh, Frank White of Kansas City. Third base, Philadelphia Phillies, Mike Schmidt. Uh-huh. Texas Rangers for the NL, Buddy Bell. Shortstop. Ozzy Smith. Ozzy Smith. Look you there. Robin Young. Ro- yeah. <laughs> Look you there. Uh, Andre Dawson and Dwight Evans. Gary Maddox and Dwayne Murphy. Dale Murphy. And here's a name Kurt loves. For the Yankees in the AL, outfielder, gold glove, Dave Winfield. There you go. Yeah. I'll be damned. You want to hear some silver sluggers? Yeah. Pitcher designated hitter for the American League, Hal McRae, uh-huh. Kansas City. Uh-huh. Pittsburgh Pirates, Don Robinson. Uh-huh. Catcher, Gary Carter. Uh-huh. Uh, Lance Parrish. Yeah. First baseman for the AL, Cecil, Cecil Cooper. Cooper. Oh, before we go She's any squared. further, Kurt, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna let you get this off your chest now. Cooperstown. Uh, what are you waiting for? His name's part of it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Let me <laughs> let me give a little context. So usually on nights when Kurt and I record in person, we come over and I bring the equipment in. I don't even set it up. We just sit here and shoot the shit for an hour because we don't see each other right, anymore. Right. And then we talk about you know all the stuff we figured out in the research for the episode and. We asked questions, and Kurt was highly pissed when I informed him that Cecil Cooper is not in Cooperstown. I mean, come on. But yeah. now, there's other two other brewers that have, are, in, are in there. Are in there, yes. What's holding you up, Cooperstown? Yeah, Look, like you say, his name's even in. So, the end of January 2020 is when I started at Verse Deal with Kurt. And uh, I don't work there anymore. I'm going to say their name now. And... Uh, Kurt and I started talking. The first week I worked, I came in and volunteered on Friday because this dickhead over here <laughs> volunteered to work overtime every Friday he could get it. And it was before they shut us down in March because of COVID. And uh, we started talking sports. And the first question Kurt ever asked me, sports-related, and there it was, a year a year prior to Steel Toes and Scoreboards, it was formed right here a year earlier. He goes, Steve Garvey or uh, Cecil Cooper? <laughs> and I looked at Kurt and I said, Cecil Cooper. And yeah. he goes, my man. And I was like, wait a minute. Garvey played for your Dodgers. Yeah, what are you talking about? C, C squared was pretty good, dude. I'm, C squared? C squared? I love that. C squared. I mean, his batting stance was cool. Oh, here's a name I love. Ask me who won a silver slugger for the National League for second base. Ryan Sandberg. Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan. Uh, Damaso Garcia took it home for the AL. What? Third baseman, Mike Schmidt. Uh, 
Shortstop, Dave Concepcion. Oh, there you go. Dave Concepcion. Robin Yunt. Uh, outfielders, you had... It, Le- it's pronounced Yount. I call it Yunt. Yount. Yunt. Yeah. Leon Durham, Reggie Jackson. Leon Durham. Pedro Guerrero. Willie Wilson, Del Murphy, and Dave Winfield again. Huh. He's here? All right. We'll be right back. And they never know we were gone for the last 45 minutes. Nope. Dude, I am like a fat hog right now. I'm ready to put me, take me to the kill floor. Papa John's Pizza. It was, uh, it was pretty good stuff. Where were we? We was going through some of the the accolades of the regular season. Uh, yeah, I think so. We was going through. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Outstanding Designated Hitter Award went to Hal McRae. Right. Who was a focal point of our uh, 85 World Series episode, yep. available now in our archives. Yes. Uh, the Roberto Clemente Award for the biggest humanitarian in baseball went to Ken Singleton from the Baltimore uh-huh. Orioles. Yeah. The Rollades Relief Man Award went to uh, two men, one from the AL, one from the NL, both who were involved in the 85 World Series. Uh, maybe. Right. Dan Quisenberry yeah, yeah, for Kansas City yeah, yeah. and Bruce Sutter. Was Sutter still part of that? No. I think Sutter might have been gone by then. Yeah, I think he was gone by then. Well, the two teams that were available right. then. All right. Oh, and I got some statistics here. Always like me some statistics, yes. Right. Uh, RBI leaders. The numbers don't lie. Hal McRae right. hit 133. Dale Murphy and Al Oliver. Uh, Al Oliver. Uh, Oriole? Uh, Montreal. Montreal, okay. The Expos. Okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking Al Bumry. Hit 109. Home run leaders. Reggie Jackson of the Angels and Gorman Thomas of the Milwaukee Brewers hit 39 yep. for the American League. Dave, Dave Kingman hit 37 for the Mets. Uh, Will Wilson had a 3-3-2 average. Willie Wilson? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Kansas City. Uh, Steve Carlton had 23 wins in the National League. Lamar Hoyt for the <laughs> Chicago White Sox Sucks. had 19. ERA, uh, Steve Rogers from Expos. Montreal, 240. And Rick Sutcliffe, 296. Uh, let's see. Steve Carlton had 286 strikeouts. Floyd Bannister from Seattle had 209. Floyd Bannister. Dan Quisenberry had 35 saves. Bruce Sutter had 36. And stolen bases. Yeah. It should come as no surprise I'm going to talk about Ricky Henderson. Uh, All right. 130. And Tim Raines had 78. 130 stolen bases. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Grand theft? Grand theft. On May 30th. Cal Ripken Jr. plays the first of what would become a record-breaking 2,632 consecutive games. That's impressive. On October 3rd, the San Francisco Giants broke Kirk Kelly's heart, a 12-year-old Kirk Kelly's heart, yeah. by eliminating Fernando Venezuela uh-huh. and the defending World Series champion Dodgers from playoff contention. 
Uh, this was one of the few times the defending champion was eliminated on the first day of the regular season. Fun fact. For the first time since the 1959 Major League Baseball season, there was no no hitters in ah, baseball. I'm dang. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Now, so hitting was up. Hitting was up. Right. So now, uh, as we all know, the divisional series didn't come about to the early 90s. Right. So in the 80s and before, it is just you have... Two divisions. You have league championship series, straight to the World Series. So let's take a look back at the 1982 regular season for, for both champions here. Right, right. And we'll start with the American League Milwaukee Brewers. But in order to tell this story... We need to go back a little bit further, so if you'll allow me, yeah. uh, I'm going to start with some information here about the 1977 Major League Baseball season. Okay. Now, I know. You're like, why uh -huh. start there? Because that's where this is. It's five years prior, and that's really where this foundation is laid for this one and only World Series appearance by the Milwaukee right, Brewers. Right, right. <laughs> so they made two big hires following the 77 season going into 1978 which turned them into contenders for for a number of years uh a guy by the name of harry dalton was hired as the club's general manager and then he would in turn hire uh the pitching coach from the baltimore orioles a guy by the name of george bamberger right as the brewers third manager now he immediately turned the brewers into contenders in 78 they won 93 games up 26 game improvement from the 77 season. They'd finished third place in the AL East. They were only six and a half games back from the New York Yankees. Right. That's impressive. That's impressive. Because yeah. the Yankees do Yankee, Yankee things. things right. That's hard to keep pace with them. Right. Now, they also lay this foundation because they had a lot of homegrown talent like Robin Yount. Yunt. <laughs> Paul yeah. Molitor. Mo Leader. <laughs> Mo Leader. And Gorman Thomas. <laughs> and they would also get some team some some help from guys like uh who were released or traded by other teams, as such as our homeboy Cecil Cooper. Huh. And a pitcher that Kurt's kind of fond of by the name of Mike uh, Bukovic Caldwell. Mike Caldwell. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh the 79 season, they'd win 95 games. Did you watch any of uh, game one or when called? I watched. Does he not look like Oscar the Grouch? Who? Caldwell? Yeah. Kind of does. Okay, I wasn't going to say nothing, but since you brought this up, uh, I am absolutely in fucking love with the porno mustaches and the porno hairs <laughs> rampant throughout this 1982 MLB season. You watch these World Series highlights for 82. Porno mustache, yeah. curly hair. She runs his fingers through it. Porno stash, buried between her legs. The froze. Porno stash. The froze are going. The froze. Yeah. Uh, the best looking one actually goes to Peter Ladd. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter Ladd, uh, uh, a, uh, a relief pitcher, or maybe it was a starting pitcher. Uh, he's a relief pitcher for for the for the Brewers. Yeah. The the oh my god, I need to grow my hair like that. Look <laughs> at this shit on top of my head. I see it. Yeah, I have not shaved my head since like the yeah. second week of February. Yeah, it, it, it looks different. And there's no earrings because of work. All right. 
I tried to put my earrings in last weekend. Couldn't get them through. I'm kind of pissed. I'm thinking the holes are growing shut. Uh, possibility. I'll pierce that motherfucker. I'll be 90. <laughs> I'll do it for you. <laughs> I won't live to see 90, but in theory, I'll, I'll be 90 years old and still have my ears pierced. I'll do it for you. Okay. Don't let them bury me without my earrings in. Here, give me a needle. I'll uh, fuck. Right here. I'll do it. Warm it up. So, the following season, Milwaukee would win 95 games, and we're talking about 1979. They'd finish second in the East behind Baltimore on the strength of their home run power led by a guy by the name of Ben Oglevy. Oglevy, who would lead the league in homers in 1980 alongside a guy you may have heard of by the name of Reggie Jackson. Uh-huh. Now, Cecil Cooper and Gorman Thomas who hit a then-club record 45 homers uh, in 79, which was eventually broken by Prince Fielder like 20-something years later. Uh, Because of the team's slugging ability and the nickname of their manager, Bamberger, the Brewers were nicknamed then Bambi's Bombers. (laughs) I'll be damned. All All right. right. But now here's where we really start to get there. So... As 1980 began, the Brewers and, and their fans were very optimistic about winning a pennant. Right. Uh, from all my research going back, it looked like... Uh, uh, this. That's the one great thing about the internet, man. Yeah. Shit's out there. Yeah. You find articles written from whenever. I mean, shit's out there. Uh, it looked like there was a lot of people like, hey, Brewers are going to get a pennant here. Brewers are going to get a World Series here. Uh, we haven't mentioned Ted Simmons or Jim oh, Gantner yet. We're get we're getting there, right? Uh, actually, we're getting there now. So, as the nineteen eighty season began, uh, the the team had a little bit of a struggle. Uh, manager George Bamberger suffered a heart attack and will be replaced by a guy by the name of this name's fucking great Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Yeah. Buck Rogers. I remember him. They would fall back into third place in 1980. Uh, one of the biggest reasons, uh, a lot of people seem to think, uh, they did not have a good bullpen. You got to have a bullpen. And what 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 always gives me a chubby when we talk about baseball? Oh, uh, pitching. pitching. I get a pitching. Yeah, yeah. I get a pitching boner. Uh, I got a pitching boner. boner. <laughs> a pitching chubby. Uh, and you don't have a good pitching without a bullpen. Right. You can have the best starters right. in the world, but if right. you ain't got a bullpen behind them, yeah. I mean, I think you still think you're only as good as your defense and your pitching. You could have, you could have Randy Johnson, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Nolan Ryan, Roger Verlander, Clemens, Verlander, Verlander, all them guys. Right. But if you ain't got a bullpen behind them, right? Because there's a lot of innings to log in 162 game a year, right? That's right. So determined that they were going to get a proven relief pitcher. And someone to help them get a pennant. They made a huge offseason trade following 1980 with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh-huh. trading outfielder Sixto Lescano. Sixto Lescano. And three minor leaguer pitchers to the Cardinals in exchange for Raleigh Fingers, uh-huh. Pete Vukovic, and Ted uh, Simmons. Simmons, yes. All. Of whom became key parts uh-huh. for the Brewers' future success. So, this would lead the Brewers to win the second half of the 1981 season. We covered the 1981 World Series already. This is because of the strike-short strike short season. season yeah. 
So basically, uh, if you guys want to hear more about why there's, we're talking about half of a seasons here, uh, go check out the eighty one yeah. World Series. Fucked up. Kurt was eleven year old boy at the time and broke heart. Fernando Mania. Heartbroken at the time they went on strike, man. Right. Uh, anyways, the Brewers would win the second half of the eighty one season. Of course, it was divided into first and a second half because of the player strike. Uh, they played the Yankees in a mini playoff, which they lost. It was the first playoff appearance for the Brewers at the time, and they lost. But a little bit of uh, silver lining in this loss, Raleigh Fingers had one of the greatest seasons, and it's still that way today, in uh, history for a relief pitcher. He saved 28 games in a shortened season, and he spotted a 1.04 earned run average, earning him both league MVP uh, and Cy Young wow. awards for the American League. How can you do that? That's pretty impressive. That's now, lockdown. I don't want to shit on this because we've shit on this before about Verlander, but you go back about 11 years ago, whenever it was, when they gave Verlander the MVP and the Cy Young both, and I threw a fit about that because you don't give a pitcher the MVP. That's what the Cy Young is for. Exactly. But now here in context, looking at it, it's like, this is kind of fucking cool. But yeah, I, uh, I digress. Yeah, I, I still favor uh, Yeah, pitchers shouldn't win MVPs. Pitchers shouldn't win MVPs? All right. Well, let's roll on. So now we're here at the 1982 season for the Milwaukee Brewers. This was their 13th season for the franchise. Uh, they finished with a with an MLB best, 95 and 67, 95 games in a season. That's pretty fucking impressive. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, they won their first and only AL uh, CS, which we'll get to in a minute. As a team. And this, this is going to be a driving theme here that, that I'm going to keep bringing up. As a team, Milwaukee led Major League Baseball in a plethora of offensive categories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starting with at-bats, they had over 5,700 at-bats that season. That means you're getting that lineup, getting on base, and it just keeps rolling, <laughs> yeah. inning by inning. There's not an easy out all the way through the lineup. Runs scored. They scored 891 runs. They hit 216 home yeah, runs. This is going to be interesting here when you get to the other side of the coin. 216 balls yeah. left the park yeah. that season. Yeah. Okay. RBIs, they hit 843 with RBIs. Uh-huh. Their slugging percentage, 0.455. Their on-base plus slugging percentage, 0.789. Extra base hits. Yeah, this is this is yeah. this is one category that people overlook a lot. Yes. Extra base hits. The nineteen eighty two Harvey Wallbangers. Extra base hits. Five hundred and thirty four. <laughs> You're turning singles into doubles. doubles. You're turning doubles into triples. Yep. yep. That's impressive. And they took a total of twenty six hundred and six bases. Yeah. Well, I, I, they stole some bases. Yeah. Well, not just total bases. Right. I shouldn't say took. <laughs> Now what's interesting here, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna go through uh, since we don't have DSs to get through, we'll go through the championship series for each team. Uh, the Brewers traveled to Baltimore 
needing to win just one game out of their four-game season finale against the Orioles. They lost the first three games. <laughs> right. So this comes down to the last game of the season, right. literally, when and you're in right. the postseason. Uh, they won. They would jump straight into the ALCS against the California, California Angels. Angels. Okay. This series is noteworthy. And uh Kurt, we don't we don't always give a lot of love to uh league divisional series and league championship series. Right. right. The most love we ever gave was we covered the two thousand four Yankees and Red Sox, which is one right. of the greatest that's almost as good as a World yeah, Series. Right. But uh this eighty two ALDS is memorable for the fact that it was the first to feature a matchup between two expansion teams. That's never happened before. Uh, it also featured two teams that had never before won a pennant, and it was it was pretty impressive when you also think about this was the first American League Championship Series, and this is 1982. And we start recording World Series stats in uh, 03, 04, 05, whatever it was. This was the first league championship series in the American League to not feature one of three teams. Can you give me one of them? Oh, Yankees. Yankees? Can you give me another one? Nope. Nope. Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore Orioles. And the Oakland A's, huh? Yeah. What about that? Huh. So let's go ahead and we'll jump in here to... uh, Uh, There's going to be... This is going to be star-studded ALCS with the Milwaukee Brewers team, and then you got the likes of Rod Carew, I think. Uh, was Nolan Ryan pitching for them? I think Nolan was already gone I'm by gone. 82. Okay. I think he was already in Texas Bobby by then. Bobby Rich, Doug DeSensei. Tommy John, if Brian, I'm not mistaken. Brian Downing, catcher or left fielder, I forget. So, game one of the American League Division or Championship Series goes down on Tuesday, October 5th of 1982. We are in beautiful Anaheim, California. Okay? The Angels would jump to a 1-0 lead in the first when Brian Downing yeah. scored an unearned run on a sacrifice fly by Don Baylor. Don Baylor. There you go. Yes. Now, Milwaukee wouldn't... Return come back to take a 3-1 lead with a two-run homer off home run team Gorman Thomas in the second and score a run by the igniter Paul Molitor and on a ground out in the third. Now here come Anaheim back. Well, they weren't really Anaheim then. They were still California. Right. The Angels would come back to take the lead for good in their half of the third. They had a four-run rally highlighted by Don Baylor's two-run triple. Yeah. So there's some wheeling and dealing going yeah. on here. Now, Baylor would cap off a five-RBI game, five RBIs, uh-huh. with a two-run single in the fourth, and the Angels would get another run in the fifth when the eventual ALCS MVP, Fred Lynn, homered. Uh, I forgot about Fred Lynn. Now, the, the Angels starter, Tommy John, who uh, is most famous for a surgery. Tommy John surgery. Yeah. He was never the same. Never the same. No. Uh, Tommy John... <laughs> I even put in the notes <laughs> who who is most known for the famous surgery performed on him. Tommy John would settle down after the third inning and he gave the Brewers little over six innings over the final six innings on his way to a complete game victory. So Tommy John pitched the entire game. Yeah, he could still deal. He could rake. Uh they crushed him eight to three. 
So now we go back the very next night, Wednesday, October 6th, 82, for game two. We're still in Anaheim. Uh, California would start with a 4-0 lead in game two and never look back. So they're obviously you know now they're going up 2-0. The Angels would get two in the second on an RBI single from Tom Foley and a squeeze bump by Mr. Bob Boone. Yeah. Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Homered in the third to make it three nothing. And Boone would play it on the Angels' fourth run with a sacrifice fly in the fourth inning. Now, the Brewers made a game of it in the fifth on the Igniters to run inside the park homer. Inside the park. Yeah. Uh, But they could not get any closer the rest of the way with the strong pitching done by Bruce Kiesen. These two complete game efforts helped produce the snappy two hours and six minute game time. That was a fast, fast game. Fast game. Uh, so now California's up 2-0. We're going to jump back to County Stadium. We're going back to Milwaukee on a Friday night in October. What could be better, right? This is the best of five. This is the best of five, right. the divisional series, right. or the championship series, yes. Yeah. A best of five, whereas nowadays it's, it's a best of seven, seven, just like the right. World Series. but. Right. Back in these days, right, is a best of five, which now a best of five is, is what your divisional. is your divisional yeah, series. Yeah. So game three in Milwaukee, Milwaukee opened the scoring in the fourth inning with three runs on an RBI double by Mister Should Be in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> Cecil Cooper. Right now he would go on later in the game. We're not quite there yet, but Cecil would go on later in the game to get the series winning hit. Okay. And the sacrifice flies by Gorman Thomas and Don uh, Mooney. Don Money. Money. Excuse yep. me. M- he could Money. break too. Underrated. Uh, the igniter, Mr. Paul Molitor, got two more runs for Milwaukee in the seventh inning with a home run. This one over the fence. Uh-huh. Now Brewer starter Don Sutton pitched lights out for the first seven innings, but in the eighth inning he started to get a little wounded. Uh, he gave up three runs on a Bob Boone homer and doubles by Fred Lynn and Don Baylor. Well, then, the most beautiful, I mean the most beautiful, curly-haired, Afro-mullet-type bullshit mustache, Pete Ladd, came out of the Milwaukee bullpen to get the final four outs for the save. Pete Ladd. Pete Ladd. Was Raleigh Fingers injured? Uh yes. Yes, he was yeah, he was on the shelf. Yes, which we will that is gonna be a huge focal point right, as far right. as the wrap up of uh this episode goes. I was just curious there because I mean I figured if Raleigh would have been in there. I couldn't remember when he got hurt. He's in the regular season yet. He tore his he tore his muscle in his arm. Yeah, yeah. Of course nowadays they take that shit serious, which they were then too, but even in 82, them guys wanted to be like, back in the 60s, they still still, a, they would still win. they get a shot in the arm. Yeah. And they'd go back out and pitch. It's like, uh, look at me, get my wrestling reference in already. <laughs> back, these guys in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, 
they didn't have doctors at all these shows like <laughs> right, they do now. Right, right. The mentality was if you could walk to the ring, you took your ass to the ring. Right. Whereas these older players in baseball, if you could walk on the field, yeah. you walked on the field. Right, right. But, uh, well, the, you know, we got to think about the contracts, too, wasn't so out of control then. No, there wasn't no $400 million Bryce I mean, Harper contracts right, back and then. And you got a hangnail, you're going to be out for two weeks. A hangnail, hangnail, hanging from my cuticle, a oh, hangnail, uh, hangnail. Well, you know what I mean. It's like, I mean, you can't afford to play him at risk further energy. That's right. You know, too much money. Well, the no next night, thing. Saturday, October 9th of 1982, we're at game four of the ALCS. Okay, this one's uh, this one's a doozy. So the Brewers, once again, staved off elimination and the series becomes even at two games apiece. Uh, this was an interesting game. Uh, the teams combined, both teams combined for five errors to allow three unearned runs. Milwaukee would build the 6-0 lead with three run rallies in the second and fourth inning. The Brewers would get a lot of help from two errors by the Angels and three wild pitchers by Angel starter Tommy John, who pitched on game one. And now they've got him back on game four, okay, so. which means they're wanting to close this bitch out right, right. and win, you know, three games to one. Right. Uh, but Tommy would end up taking the loss. Now, they traded back-to-back runs in the sixth inning. Fred Lennon doubled home Reggie Jackson, and Jim Ganter singled home Mark Bruhard for the Brewers. Now, Bruhard, who only appeared in 40 games during the regular season, was subbing in for Kurt's boy, Ben Oglavy. Oglavy. The Brew Hub contributed three hits, four runs, and three RBIs in the only postseason appearance of his career because he did not he did not make an appearance in the World Series. That's clutch. Uh California would come back for four runs in the eighth on a grand slam by money man Don Baylor to cut Milwaukee's lead seven to five. But the Brewers bounced back. That was my phone. But the Brewers bounced back with a two-home run homer by Brewhart in the bottom of the inning to put the game away, and the series becomes even at two games apiece. Maybe that was your phone because mine's on silent. It was your phone. Yeah, weather update. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just a weather. Yeah. yeah. It's fucking hot. How about that? Yeah. So here we go. Both teams tied two apiece. We're not going to give them a day of rest. They're going to play three games back to back to back. So Sunday, October 10th, 1982, we're still in Milwaukee. Three games back to back to back. Three nights in a row. And uh, this one is uh, this one's interesting because it's decided by one run, although uh, the Angels had half had a half more sets of hits basically they 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 doubled the number of hits i should say as what compared to um milwaukee did uh on the mound uh you got brian uh no who's on the mound did i put that in there i'm gonna guess bukovic or caldwell bob mcclure no bob wasn't anyways he's a reliever yeah so Game five was the most was the best one of this whole DS. You can find the complete game on YouTube if you'd like to go see it. Shout out Major League Baseball for always putting great content on their YouTube channel. Uh, 
the Angels would get a quick 1-0 lead in the first inning on a double by Brian Downing and a single by Fred Lynn. But Milwaukee would tie the game in the bottom of the inning when the igniter, Paul Molitor. He's got two nicknames. They call him Molly uh-huh. and the Igniter. Yeah. I just think the Igniter's fucking way cooler. Yeah, I do too. So he doubled and eventually came home on a sacrifice fly by Ted Simmons. The Angels made it a 2-1 lead in the third inning on an RBI single from Fred Lynn. Fred Lynn's been all over this. Fred Lynn could break. Yeah. And it stretched the lead to 3-1 in the fourth on a run-scoring single from Bob Boone. Okay, so now we're getting good. Milwaukee would cut the lead to 3-2 to two in the bottom of the fourth on Ben Oglevig's homer. So he goes yard here. So in the fifth inning then, the Angels started threatening again until Reggie Jackson uh-huh. was thrown out trying to reach third base on a Fred Lynn single. Ah. Uh-huh. So that sparked the... When you see Reggie Jackson trying to... <laughs> yeah. So this is evidently going to spark... Going to try. Yeah. So now the score remained unchanged until the bottom of the seventh inning when, as we like to say on this show, we use this phrase a lot, the wheels come off the (laughs) fucking car for the Angels. So Milwaukee loads the bases on two singles and a walk. Cecil Cooper then cracked the game-winning hit, a two-run single that put the Brewers ahead 4-3. to The Milwaukee bullpen would then keep the Angels off the board over the last two innings, Helped by a spectacular, just absolutely phenomenal catch by an outfielder who didn't see a lot of playing time during the regular season, a guy by the name of Marshall Edwards, who robbed Don Baylor of extra bases. Uh huh. The Angels would threaten one last time in the ninth with a runner on second and Rod Carew at the plate. Uh-oh. Pete Ladd, the most beautiful porno mustache and hair. <laughs> Pete Ladd. Romance going God, there. dude, he's fucking. You go back to 19. Look, it's. I, God. Wish I could have hair like I had the fucking perfect porno mustache. Uh, Pete Ladd got Carew to ground out to Robin. Yunt. Yunt. And the Brewers took home the franchise's first and only American League pennant, which would propel them to their first and only. World Series to date. Woo-hoo, go Wallbangers. Go Wallbangers. Uh, as I mentioned, this is their last and only AL pennant because in 1998 they would move to the National League. Uh-huh. Now, the Brewers have yet to win a pennant since moving to the National League. Uh, but before we put a feather in the cap yeah. for the 1982 Brewers, I'd like to uh, share a little bit of an article I found. Uh, right before the 1982 season started about the Milwaukee Brewers to kind of drive home what I was telling you about. Everybody's thinking this is going to be the year. Finding the right word to describe our upcoming 1982 Brewers is almost as difficult as it will be to stop the crew's powerful, or should I say imposing, intimidating, strapping, dominant, or what other... Uh, adverb you want to use offense the brew crew is loaded they are stacked do you remember a song uh or no what the fuck what's it okay so they got in here that they're 36 24 36 which is the measurements of the perfect woman 
Remember, sir makes a lot. Yep. Baby got back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what it made me think of. Okay. But it says in here they're loaded, they're stacked, they're 36, 24, 36. They're a brick house. Jeez, that brick house. House. He's <laughs> a brick house. Yes. That's right. So it and it just goes on. It's uh. Every position is cast in iron, with the exception being in the one southwest corner of County Stadium. The offense hasn't grown bad since Sixto Lescano was sent to St. Louis. Uh, but I do miss Bob Betts' wonderful cadence. Now batting number 16, Sixto Lescano. <laughs> yeah, so... In the article, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It just goes on to uh, it, it breaks down the positions uh, and all the stuff. Like for Robin Yunt. Yunt, it says this will be his ninth season. He's only 26 years of age. He had his best off. Yeah, I thought about that too. Kurt's like, yeah. Wow. 17 years old, huh? Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that was possible. Uh, there's talking about Cecil Cooper. C squared. Uh, he had 122 runs to lead the league in 1980. In 1980, he hit 352. That's pretty. Two damn years good. before this. That's not Cooperstown worthy. You're just not gonna let that go, are you? I'm not gonna let that go. Come on. Should we guys. write Cooperstown? Uh, we might do you have want, to. Do you want me to get active on our page and tweet Cooperstown? We might have to. I don't know. You know how we're always, you know, I mean, you know how on a lot of our show opens, a couple of them at least. Which we make a new one about every six months because I get bored. <laughs> right. But on a couple of them, we've had, you know, put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We're going to have to make him in. Put Cecil Cooper in the uh, damn Hall of Fame. Yeah, come on, folks. So, of course. Yeah. The 1980 American League home run king, Ben Ogleave. Ogleby. Should feast in the four spot while providing decent defense in left field. He ended up batting fifth. Yeah, huh? They had him in the clean spot. Kurt, for those non-listeners that are not baseball fans, explain what batting in the fourth slot means. It means you're the cleanup guy. You clean up all the runs that uh, people got on base. So ideally, you. you're putting your three three of your, your best, strong hitters. Your best hitter should be hitting third, which protects your power hitter because you can't pitch around the three spot. You, Ooh, to, you know. So so you you got two really strong hitters. Then your third spot. Right. Your fast guy should be one, two. Right. Or who goes third? I always thought your best hitter on your team. And then who goes fourth? Your cleanup, your power guy. Your power guy, yeah. because you can load the bases right. and get a four-run right. Right. advantage. Right. That's the way I do it. Well, you can't pitch around. That's what makes the three-hole. You're doing pretty good at third base. You were. Uh, you did pretty good in number 71 for the Chicago White Sox. You're always batting fourth. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, you're fucked up porno mustache. <laughs> well, you got a guy. You got a guy. You got, so, a, guy, you so got a guy named me on. Uh, I put a Kurt. I created a Kurt <laughs> Kelly and put him in the baseball game. Right? Yeah, and I think the season I'm playing was uh, the White Sucks because I wanted something with a, a black uniform and right. I, I was going through it. This is MLB 2K13, okay? This <laughs> okay, game's like okay, 10 right, years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But you're, am, you're, am I raking? You uh, the last time I looked, do your I average. It? Do I switch it? 
Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your average was like four oh five. Oh yeah. You're you're Rake raking it, it in. Raking. Raking it Rake in. It. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. You are currently on a forty eight game hitting oh, streak. Yeah. Look out, Dimaggio. I don't, I don't know if you're gonna break it or not. Was it Dimaggio? It was. It was a fifty six. Fifty six game. It'll never be broken. Right. Joe Joe Dimaggio. Uh, but anyways, this article uh <laughs> you know, I just I wasn't gonna share the whole thing. But the article ends with uh, all of this sounds great on paper. If the Brew Crew can build on last year's second half AL East title and forget about the disappointment of losing to those damn Yankees. I hate those damn Yankees. Uh, This season could be a special, very special, championship caliber special. I hate them pinstripes. (laughs) The Yankees do. The Yankee things. Yankee things. They Uh, suck. So, for the National League, uh-huh. you want to talk about the uh, yeah. 82 Redbirds? Yeah, we have to mention the, the contrast and style of baseball here. Okay, well, you know what? I'm always looking for great filler content because we've lost a whole round of postseason play here, so we need to fill in some time. So, well, go ahead. Whitey Ball. The birth, Which we're going to talk about Whitey the Ball. The birth of Whitey Ball. Well, uh, we are, we are going to talk about some Single Whitey ball. stolen base, drive him in. It played first to third. The equivalent almost of how I tell you I play NBA 2K. Right. Run it up the court, run it right up the middle in the paint, turn around, kick it to the man on the wing, shoot the three. These, Drive it inside in the paint. These guys here, were built. they were built on speed. <laughs> in more ways than one. <clears throat> but, wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Actually, you know what? That's not funny. That was Academy Award winning worthy joke. I'm going to give you. <laughs> thank you. Thank wait, you, wait, you. wait. I'm ready. Do it again. These guys were what? Uh, they were more than one way uh, built on speed. Kirk Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, could not do the show without Kirk Kelly. <laughs> so you guys take that for what it's worth. I mean, I don't, uh, two totally different styles. It was a three run homer versus bun a guy on. Bunny guy to second, steal third, pass ball. I so, mean, you said something a minute ago. The Redbirds in '82. They hit 57 home runs as a team. Yeah. And Milwaukee hit 216. There you go. 216 to 59 or 57. Just like looking that. at this on paper, on paper, without getting to the World Series, or with 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 getting there, just looking out paper for Game One. To the to the average bear, Milwaukee's going to run yeah. away with this World Series. Yeah, because it's a two hundred and sixteen homer. They hit two hundred more homers. American League DH versus the poor pitching hitting NL. Kurt, this is our seventy fifth official episode. Yeah, we've and been I, doing this show a little over two years. Yeah, and I still say the pitcher hits. Okay, explain to everybody why you hate the DH position. If you're in the lineup. You grab a bat. If you're in the lineup, you grab a bat. That's right. Everybody likes to see a home run ball. Everybody likes to see an extra hitter. I do, too. I'm not going to lie, but I'm old school. Why can't these guys if, hit? I'm old school. The pitchers, if you're, bat. If you're marked in the lineup, you need to hit. If you're in the lineup, you grab a bat, you go out, you hit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's just some things don't need to change. I mean, I guess the, I guess the DH has been good. In some ways, I mean, this series here was played with the American League rules. That's right. 
So, and that becomes very important because a certain cardinal, number 19, Dane Org. You'll hear this name a couple times. Org. Org. Now, now, here's the other thing. So, as I start to go through when we actually get to the World Series coverage and I start to go through the World Series notes, um, I don't have as many notes for each game as what I've done other World Series in the past. So, how many games did you actually end up watching? I had watched all of them. All seven of them? Oh, yeah. You had two weeks to prep for this. You watched all seven uh, games? Start to finish, yeah. Good, so... I mean, I, I you know, I'd fast. You're, you're gonna have to add some I, I'd context. Fa- I'd ask fast. I know I'd fast forward between pitches and stuff. Right. And, but you're gonna have to. There was times when I let it, let it play too, and just. And you're taken right back to being an 11 year old boy yeah, again. Exactly. Well, I'm gonna need you to uh, for the brew crew. My, my man, my man. <laughs> hey. Uh, A National League fan, but. No, uh, my not, team's in the National League, but never liked Whitey Ball. Well, let's let's get into that. I'm going to need you to add some context when we get to the all World right, Series all right, coverage. All right, all right. Uh, but let's talk about the 1982 National League champion St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, but first, let's start with the events that set in motion this World Series run. Uh, let's go back a couple of years to 1980 uh-huh. when uh, Gussie Bush. Hired Whitey Herzog uh-huh. to manage the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, as Kurtz mentioned, he became known for a style of play called Whitey Ball that catered to Bush Stadium's AstroTurf. Don't like it. To maximize speed, uh-huh. defense, and pitching. <laughs> now, the original Bush Stadium, for uh. those listeners that might not know that, you know, the new Bush Stadium. Bush Stadium back in 82 was what? In baseball, you you have what's called a hitter's park and a pitcher's park. It was, it was definitely a pitcher's park. And that was a pitcher's park. Why? The alleys were so deep. The, the power alleys were deep. And uh, was, the ball just didn't fly there. It did not. It did not. It would fly down the lines, but if the center field... You weren't ever going alley. yard. You'd never get to go yard. No. So, uh, Herzog's... Uh, style of play emphasized more than anything pitching and base stealing. Yeah. It, he 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 put the he put his foot on the gas on a lot of things. This is what there we're going to do. A guy on the, in the lineup that wouldn't run. Yeah, he he put his foot that this is what we're going to do, but more than anything the two biggest things we're going to do is we're going to pitch and we're going to steal bases. He also included line drive gaps. Yeah. Which you talked about, yeah. which I personally is one of my favorite things in baseball. Well, Just see it. And then on that turf, if you hit the, the gap in the alley out there, it was going to the wall. It was. Yeah. Uh, Zing. Right. Uh, and it, it, bounced, it bounced and it rolled. Yeah. And that was a big thing with him. And it comes into play in the uh, World Series big time. Something else that, that, that was really uh, Whitey kind of emphasized was uh, – they work the count to get on base. Yes. No strikeout. If you right. got to if you got to get on base on balls, right. you get on base they on balls. They work the count very well. Very well. Made the pitcher throw a lot of pitches. Uh bunting. The more uh, pitches you see, the easier it is to hit a guy. Yeah, so th- this was there was there was definitely a lot going on here. Uh Whitey would also build lineups around a power hitter. Uh Jack Clark comes Jack to mind. Right. Uh and one or two others for protection. Uh, 
players who emphasized exactly what Whitey Ball should be would be guys like Lonnie Smith. Oh, yeah. Skate. Willie McGee. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy Van Slyke. Uh-huh. Uh, Vince Coleman. Uh-huh. <laughs> Terry uh-huh. Pendleton. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, me and Kurt talk about Terry Pendleton and Vince Coleman a lot in the 85 World yeah. Series episode. Yeah. Uh, Kurt's famous quote. <laughs> The fastest man in baseball. The fastest man in baseball gets run over by a three-mile-an-hour tarp. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, other guys included in this also included uh, uh, George Hendrick, yeah. Keith Hernandez, who is amazing with the cocaine under his nose, uh, Daryl Porter, the same uh, way, same way. Yeah. Tom Herr, uh, Ozzie Smith, and some of their pitchers, such as Bruce Sutter, Bob Forsh, uh-huh. Joaquin Andujar. Joaquin. And here's a name, a nice little callback as well from the 85. John. A stupor. And John Tudor. Tudor, yep. One of the most successful managers in team history. Herzog's Cardinals were, were known for, uh, it was how he pulled this off because they had one of the lowest payrolls. And Kurt's shaking his head. That's something we always look at. It's homegrown talent. They played defense and they pitched. Yep. And they put pressure on the opposing team with speed. And, of course, over this run, they would end up with Whitey. Uh, they would win uh, three league championships right. and uh, the World Series once. I mean, for those who don't understand what speed does to a great defensive team, it's constant pressure. Right. And pressure. Uh, what makes diamonds? Pressure. Uh, or <laughs> blood, yeah. Saudi blood money. Right. <laughs> Shout right. out, live golf, Saudi blood yeah, money. Yeah, shit, fuckers. <laughs> Unreal, dude. That's for a chronicle. Yeah. Fuck so, me. so let's take a look at 1980. The the team itself in '80. So we're two years prior right. to this World Series, right? Uh. What Whitey put together was uh, almost like it, it was almost it was almost 1982 Brewer like for the 1980 Cardinals. They paced the NL in uh, eight categories, including runs scored 738. Uh, batting average was 275. Mm, that's pretty good. On base percentage was 328. Their slugging percentage was over 400. And they had six players that season who tallied 275 or more plate appearances and hit over 300. Uh, so the 1980 Cardinals, fun fact, would set the record for the most silver slug winners in one season uh, with five, which would include Hernandez, Gary Templeton, Hendrick, Ted Simmons, and Forsh. Uh They were an overall disappointment, though. They finished last in pitching, and they went through four managers. <laughs> Uh, St. Louis returned to their winning ways in 81, but missed the playoffs and the short strike in the season. We ought to just look at that season as a whole. We should, yeah. Which we kind of did in our our 81 World Series, but... Kind of. Yeah. Cincinnati Reds got screwed that year, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. The Cardinals would finish second place in each half of the split 81 strike shortened season. And then between 1981 and 1984, which I put this in here, even though we're a little bit past 82, uh, Sutter would save 132 games and finish twice in third place in the Cy Young voting. Uh, 
Force, Tudor, and Joaquin Andahar each anchored the Cardinals' rotation. Uh, now, here we go to peak Whitey Ball, oh. which would be three World Series appearances, which would be 82, 85, and 87. Uh, what's interesting about this, though, is uh, even though we're talking about the 82 season, but we're talking about 82 through 87, which was their three World Series appearances, we're going to talk about 1964 for a split second. Okay, why are we talking about 1964? How is this going to relate to 1982? I can already see the look on your face. Yeah, yeah. I'm the researcher. You just right, watch right, a film. That's right, your only job. Right. Just like in 1964, which helped them with their World Series in 67 and 68, another key trade significantly altered the future of the St. Louis Cardinals franchise and helped set in stone the Cardinals making three World Series appearances in the 1980s. Before the 82 season, the Cardinals swapped shortstops with the San Diego Padres. Templeton was shipped for one of Kurt's all-time favorite players, even though he was a St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah, yeah. He's I, one of Kurt Kelly's all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. That would be Mr. Ozzie. Smith, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I used to throw a ball against a brick wall and, I, and do Ozzie Smith things. I was, I was watching some of the World Series highlights, uh, and I checked out a couple of the games. I didn't watch every game like you did. I checked out a couple of games, just some highlights. And then I watched the the eventual entire, you know, postseason film that uh, uh, MLB Films always puts together. Right. And I read a comment on one of these, and and I just I was looking at my computer, and I just kind of looked up in the air. I kind of did that Michael Myers stare when he <laughs> killed that guy and hung him to the wall. That right. real confused look where he's just admiring his work. <laughs> the comment said, "If there was ever one player in particular that Whitey Ball was tailor made for." It would be Ozzy Smith. Smith, yeah. And I was like, that's the most beautiful fucking thing I've ever heard. Definitely. I mean. So, now, here we go. So, by the way, ask me how many gold gloves the Wizard won. How many did he win? 13. That's fucking impressive. Can we can we clap for Ozzy? Yeah. Hall of Famer, no doubt. 13. Hall of Famer, no doubt. Oh, yeah. So here we go. So Kurt's like, damn it, can we get to the season now? So here's the Cardinals 1982 season. Okay, we're an hour into this. We haven't covered it. Well, this is a good episode. Oh, yeah. It yeah, that's be, good. Yeah. That's a good one. So the 1982 season was St. Louis's 101st season in St. Louis and their 91st season overall in the National League. Uh, now, to make up for them missing the postseason and the strikes shortened season of 81. They would go 92 and 70 during the season and win their first ever NL East division title by three games over my boys, Phillies. The Phillies. Uh, they achieved their first postseason appearance since 1968 and defeated the NL West champion Braves in three straight games, which we're going to go through in right, a minute, right. to claim the pennant. Now, a little bit of things interesting of note uh, as far as. Uh, some personnel changes and stuff because you always like that stuff. Uh, Bob Sykes on October 21st of 81, so the season prior, uh, Bob Sykes was traded to the Yankees for Willie McGee. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, when Kurt was watching the film, he was texting me, Willie fucking McGee, McGee, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were some guys traded. The Phillies traded Lonnie Smith to the car. Dumb fucking move. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Solid ball player. Sixto Lascano, Gary Templeton, and a player to be named later were traded by the Cardinals to the Padres for Ozzie Smith, 
Steve Murrah and a player to be named later. And here's a big one. December 29th, 1981. That was my mom's birthday. It was December 29th. Uh, Joaquin Anduar, Kurt's buddy. <laughs> pivotal pivotal in the 85 World Series loss yeah, to the Royals. Yes. He was signed as a free agent by the Cardinals. Uh, June 7th of 82, the Major League Baseball draft happened. And uh, as Kurt loves this, Terry Pendleton and Vince Coleman were both drafted in the 7th and 10th round, respectively. Uh, Vince Coleman, the fastest guy in baseball. Run over by a tarp. A three-mile-an-hour tarp. tarp. Hey, Vince, look out. Can you imagine how pissed Whitey was when, oh, he, when he got fuck. those news? Somebody got an ass Somebody got fired. I the, guarantee The equipment it. guy got fired But or how something. do you get run over by a tarp? You're fastest guy in, in both leagues. Uh, strung out hung over from cocaine, maybe? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. You never know. Right. Interesting fact. True fact. All right, Puss. Yes, Hattie? Let's get into the NLCS, because now you're chomping at the bit to actually talk World Series, and I just keep dragging it out. No, no, we're all right. We got no DS this time. Uh, we got we got time to fill. Although, Uh-oh. I don't I don't remember any of the... The DS? Yeah. Oh, it was a 3-0 sweep. Right. I, I, for some reason, I don't remember. I, I didn't... Wouldn't even, I, I thought it was against somebody like the Dodgers or somebody, but it was against the Braves. You fucking homer. Dale Pucky Murphy was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the 82 National League Championship Series was the 14th NLCS in league history. The Cardinals will win... Uh, in three games. Right. Despite their history as the National League's most successful franchise and the second most World Series championships in baseball behind the New York Yankees, this was the Cardinals' first postseason appearance since 1968 when they lost the Detroit Tigers. Again, you can find that episode right. available in your archives. We had a lot of fun doing our first vintage World Series as Kurt exclaimed they didn't wear any fucking helmets <laughs> exactly that was the first thing that stuck. Yeah. that was the very first thing he said they're not wearing helmets right which is odd looking now the atlanta braves were marking their first postseason appearance since 69 uh the cardinals were led by gold glove first baseman and hitter keith hernandez well the braves were led by dale murphy who would later become these uh-huh. mvp uh so let's uh, let's let's get into this. So uh, a side note here, just a little fun fact. You love fun facts. Atlanta's manager Joe Torre uh-huh. and two of his coaches, Bob Gibson and Dahl Maxwell, were known for playing for the Cardinals team while the Cardinal coach Red Shandings previously played for the Braves and Cardinal coach Hub Kittle previously managed in the Braves organization. Uh-huh. So I know you Hub Kittle. Yeah, you know, appreciate that. So, game one of the NLCS was actually played twice. <laughs> rain, rain out. <laughs> you, know, you know what I was doing last night? What's that? You know what I was doing last night? What? Sidebar. I was looking at uh, Amazon, and I created me a shopping list, and it says equipment upgrade. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? This other podcast I have, this one about Freemasonry, is really taking off. Our show's really starting to take off, and I'm like, Maybe I want to upgrade the equipment a little bit, you know? I right. mean, 
I can't hit up money bags over here because money bags is so rich. I mean, <laughs> when he pulls pennies out of his pocket, Lincoln blinks at the light like, what the fuck? <laughs> but I was looking at equipment upgrade, and I was looking about some video equipment. I swear to you guys, I wish I could video because the look on Kurt's face when I said game one was played twice, he was like, "What the fuck did I miss?" Like, <laughs> well, I'm thinking- and then rain out came to him like 15 yeah, seconds right, later. Right, right, right. So game one was literally a wash. The Braves led 1-0 behind uh, Phil Necro, and were two outs from an official game, which is five innings, four. I think it's five. Five. Uh, when the umpire stopped it, when the rain didn't quit, the game was postponed. Game one began the following night in a matchup of uh, Pascal Perez oh, yeah. and longtime Cardinal Bob Force. So uh, we're going down at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. It is Thursday, October 7th. Now, the new game one was scoreless through the first two innings. Okay, In the bottom of the third, Willie McGee tripled and scored on Ozzie's sacrifice fly to center. Okay. No, it stayed a one-old game until the sixth inning when the floodgates would just come open. And the Cardinals would score five runs to finish off Perez and the Braves, basically. Three straight singles by Lonnie Smith, Keith Hernandez, and George Hendrick chased Perez and made it 2-0 with two on and nobody out. Now, brought in to put out what's, at this point, seemingly a a fire, Uh, Steve... uh, Barosian uh-huh. walked Daryl Porter to load the bases. Dumb fucking move. Uh, yeah. Because coming up after him would be Willie McGee, who gave up a single two that would score Keith Hernandez. Now, Ozzie Smith would then single and score Hendrick and Porter on a sacrifice fly by force. A wild pitch would advance the runners, and Ken Oberkfell. Single made it a 6-0 Cardinals run. Now, Donnie Moore would come in to pitch for Atlanta then and ended the inning, but the game was as good as over. The Cardinals added an insurance run in the eighth like they really needed it. Uh, the 7-0 win gave the Cardinals a 1-0 lead in the best of five series. So now, the very next night, game two, Saturday, October 9th, 82, we're in St. Louis again, beautiful Bush Stadium. Uh, so on the mound is Phil Necro uh-huh. for the Braves against John Stuper. Uh-huh. You're already excited about this. Oh, yeah. You like John Stuper, don't you? Uh, too hard back in. Hard thrower. So the Cardinals, so take wild. A, the Cardinals would take a 1-0 lead in the bottom of the second inning when Kim Oberfell scored on a wild pitch. Okay. The Braves would answer in the top of the third when Bruce Benedict. Yeah, catcher. I can't say Benedict without laughing. <laughs> Benedict. <laughs> hey, Benedict. This show fucking sucks. <laughs> Why do we have listeners? Hey, guys. Wiener caught in the zipper and Benedict. What the fuck? <laughs> Bent a dick? Benedict, yeah. Well, that's what it kind of sounds like. All right. I love deep slot. I mean, uh, deep stats, stats and good research, bro. <laughs> no, he's a catcher, wasn't he? Uh, I'll bring it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, where the fuck were we? We were talking about Benedict. Bruce Benedict, yeah. Bruce Benedict walked and went to second on a Phil Necro. The, bunt- the pitcher is bunting yes, here. Yes, he can handle the bat. Okay. Yeah, golly, I mean. And scored the Braves' first run of the series one. Rafael Ramirez. Ooh, that's a name. I haven't heard of him. We haven't talked about yeah. in a while. Rafael Ramirez. 
would hit a single that he followed by scoring on a three-base error to put the Braves in the front two to one. Now Necro helped himself in the fifth. He and can I was, handle a bat. I love this when pitchers when yeah. pitchers make their night a little easier for themselves yes. when they're batting. So uh, Necro helped himself in the fifth when Glenn Hubbard singled, Benedict doubled, and Necro <laughs> Necro's sacrifice fly gave the Braves a two-run lead. Now. St. Louis, uh, about to say, fuck you. Uh, in the bottom of the same inning, Keith Hernandez singled and scored on Daryl Porter's double to make it 3-2 Atlanta. Now, in the eighth, Daryl Porter walked and went to third on George Hendricks' single and scored to tie when, here we go, Willie McGee. Freaking Willie fucking McGee. Fielder's choice that forced Hendricks at second. With the score tied, the Cardinals won in the bottom of the ninth when Dave Green singled and went to second on a butt by Tommy Herr and then scored Whitey on a ball. single by Oberfelk. Whitey ball. Whitey ball. The last that back gave the Cardinals a 2-0 lead heading to Atlanta. Bruce Sutter got the win, and Braves ace reliever Gene Garber got the uh-huh. loss. Now, St. Louis had 12 hits in this game. That's uh, pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah. Twelve hits is a lot. Um, yeah. So, Benedict. Now, game three, Sunday, October tenth. So we're playing back to back. They're uh, not giving these guys days right, off right, back then. Right. County Stadium? What are, no. No, we are in yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta, Fulton, Fulton County Fulton, Stadium. Fulton County. There you go. Yeah. So Rick Rick Camp goes to the mound for uh, Atlanta, and the Cardinals counter with. Joaquin Andujar. You know what? Okay. You know what I love about Joaquin Andujar? So we talked about him here, and we talked about him in our 1985 World Series episode. Right. When he was consistent, he was consistent. I know it sounds dumb. Lights out. But when he was awful. He was awful. He was awful. And then then the game would get in his head. And... The he wheels, would get wild. The wheels would literally <laughs> come off the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, they put him in here to start. So you know, so excuse me. So there were no runs scored in the first inning, but in the second, the Cardinals would clinch the series already. Yeah. Hernandez singled, Porter walked, Hendrick singled to score Hernandez. And Willie McGee hit his second triple of the series to score two more runs. Ozzie Smith would hit a single to make it 4 nothing. Camp was history, and pretty much so were the Braves at this yeah. point. In the fifth inning, Tommy Hurd doubled and scored on a Hernandez single to make it 5 to nothing. Facing elimination, though, Atlanta would not be denied. They were uh-huh. going to try. Uh, Claude L. Washington and Bob Horner both singled. I was, was going to mention it. I was going wondering if I was going to hear Bob Horner's name at all. So he single. <clears throat> okay. Solid third baseman. Now faced with uh, a potential big inning, Joe Torre pulled Washington and replaced him with Terry Harper. For Terry Harper had speed. Right. But the next hitter, Chris Chambliss. I was going to say. I yeah, we had to talk about Chris yeah, at all. Yeah. He hit into a double play that scored Harper to make it a five to one. But the Braves, uh, but took the Braves out of the inning since the next hitter was their star, Dell Murphy. Uh-huh. Had Chambliss hit safely, 
a Murphy homer would have made it a five to four right. one run game. Instead, instead Murphy singled with two outs, went to second on a wild pitch by Andoar, and scored on Hubbard's single. The scoring continued in the in the ninth when McGee drilled a home run off reliever Gene Garber to end the scoring at six to two. Bruce Sutter got the save. Camp took the loss, and this would take us to the 1982 World Series. Miller versus Anheuser Busch, Milwaukee versus St. Louis. How would Suter get it? Back then, I guess it, a save was. I guess that's well, what, I'm you know, what is it now? Three runs? Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know why I keep talking about this Miller versus Anheuser Busch? So uh, I've been I've been listening to this great podcast series lately called. Uh, you remember when we listened to Sports Wars? Yeah. We did like we what we listened to Sosa and McGuire and right, we listened right, to Favre right. and uh Rogers. Right. Well, their Sports Wars has a sister series podcast. It's called Business Wars. And like uh that's when I listened to the one I told you it was uh Fender guitars versus Gibson guitars. Right. right. There's McDonald's versus Wendy's. Uh I'm listening to one right now I'm in the middle of called Miller versus Anheuser-Busch. And it was uh, okay. just so fitting because I'm like, <laughs> right, right, we're doing the '82 World Series, <laughs> which was yeah, Bush against Bush against Miller because Miller's Milwaukee based right. and Bush is in right. St. Louis. So, huh. so now I want I want to point a couple things out here. Is now we are finally uh, one hour and twenty five minutes into the show. Both in beers suck, by the way. I mean, Budweiser's king beer. I was a Stroh's man. I don't even know what to say to you. Before now, before the cans went blue, it was good beer. Right. Stroh's. Mark Martin which, used to race for Stroh's. Which anybody says they like to taste the beer, I think, well, it's an acquired taste. All beer is. Mmm, hops and barley. Mmm. But man, when it's fucking ice cold. Nah, I don't mean it ever. A hot day mm. like today. Blech. When it's ice cold. Blech. Sun. Blech. I know. I'm more of a bourbon man myself. Me too. Yeah. And, yeah. Which I can't do because I make zero decisions that are good. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. What is a drunk Kirk Kelly like? Whatever happened to the beer that was in the fridge two years ago from our first episode? Somebody eventually drank it? <laughs> what me? You had one beer with me. Yeah. I, I Not a beer guy. Yeah, but you drank one with me. I drank one, yeah. It, it took you about two hours to drink it. By the end, it was piss warm. But you, mm-hmm. my dad told me when he caught me, if you can't drink them warm, don't need to drink them at all. Yeah, yeah, nasty. <laughs> I, I don't like. I don't like the shit cold. Even I mean, <laughs> a hot beer on a cold summer day is amazing. A hot beer on a cold summer right. day. <laughs> hey, folks. <What? laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Maybe I've had a few too many that's, already. That's a new one there on me. Uh, well, you know. You idiot. Maybe. <laughs> a hot beer on a cold summer day. You can't beat that. You want to talk some World Series? Let's talk some World Series. Oh, God. Oh, man. I was surprised they even caught that, though. I mean, uh, Yeah, normally. Yeah. You could have just let that go. You didn't have to point that out to our list. They had already been screaming at their radio anyways. What the fuck did he, he just, just say? say? Did he just say a hot beer on a cold summer a day? A hot beer on a cold summer day. Wow. <laughs> okay, so the 1982 Milwaukee. Indiana boys got it backwards. <laughs> 
We are international now. Uh, we, well, we're, we're getting uh, uh, we're getting downloads all over the globe. Uh, uh, Who the hell is listening to us in Paris, France? Why are yeah. you listening to us in France? Re- uh, give us some feedback. Yeah, we. Ohio is uh, some of your family. Yeah, I'd say so. A some lot of, their of it. Friend, some of their friends, probably. I want to know who California is. California has not reached out, but yet they're still listening every episode. Yeah. Uh, California, why are you not hitting us up? Yeah, hit us up, man. We got a Facebook page. We got a Twitter page. I've got my own personal Kurtz, Kurtz Dark Ops. You don't Wait, have social we, media. We won't hold it against you. You're from California. That's right. Come on, brother. So here we go. So... The 1982 Milwaukee Brewers, I want to just point this out again for reference, they hit 216 home runs in the regular season, earning them the nickname the Harvey's Wallbangers after their manager, fellow Milwaukee native, Harvey Keene. Harvey Keene, right. In contrast to that, the 1982 Cardinals only hit 67 home runs, fewer then the Brewers, Gorman Thomas with 39, <laughs> and Ben Ogilvie with 34 combined. Yeah. I said 57, it was 67. But the Cardinals, you know, solid pitching, defense, base running, whitey ball. Whitey ball. That was what they were bringing to the table. So it wasn't a complete washout yet. They, they had whitey ball. Okay. So uh, both teams, and, and this is clear, and we are going to circle back to this at the end of this World Series. The Brewers and Cardinals both had a nice bullpen, especially each man with a dominant closer. For the St. Louis Cardinals, it was Bruce Sutter. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, it was a man who never even took the field during the World yeah, Series. Which One of the most beautiful mustaches <laughs> ever. The old handlebar mustache. Raleigh Fingers. Mm-hmm. Raleigh didn't pitch in the World Series. Which would have been his fourth World Series appearance. But no doubt helped the Brewers get there. Because he had a muscle tear in his arm. Yeah. But no doubt, as you made it, yes. The two teams had made a trade in December of 1980 that ended up benefiting both clubs, and we saw some of it pay off in the 82 World Series. When Milwaukee traded pitchers Dave LaPointe, Larry Sorensen, outfielder Sixto Lescano, and David Green to the Cardinals, with pitcher Pete Vukovic and catcher Ted Simmons comprising two-thirds of St. Louis's return. Now, the Cardinals built their team on speed. <laughs> Willie McGee, Ozzie Smith, George Hendrick, Joaquin Andahar, okay. and Suter were the other half of the team that was built on pitching. Mm-hmm. This, for all intents and purposes, prior to the 1982 World Series, led most to believe that these teams would be evenly matched even though one team was sorely lacking in the power area, but made up for it with a dominating bullpen. The field was set. Yes. So, one other thing of interest I'd like to point out here to you. The Brewers, though, had a very productive uh, AAA, AA, single-A affiliates. They had a very productive farm system, and with additional trades, they built this heavy-hitting ball club. As we mentioned, you had Gorman Thomas, you had good pitching, you had Moose Haas, you had Robin Yunt, Yunt Paul Molitor, the Igniter, and you know you had Vukovic, Simmons, Fingers, Ben Ogilvie, plus C Cecil squared. Cooper, yes. Don Money. Don Money could rake. And... Unsung heroes, Charlie Moore. 
Charlie Moore. That's yeah. that's good. Gantner was a hell of a second baseman. So so uh Hattie girl. Sal Bando on a team. Well, you know, I knew you were gonna ask me. So Something I'm like already that. looking uh-huh. at some of the uh the lineups here. Was who on the team? Sal Bando. Sal Bando. He might have been it might have been I mean, he might have been retired but then. Do not see okay, him. Okay. Right. Do not see him. Okay. Uh Dave LaPointe, yeah, I forgot. Jim Cat was on the uh yeah. Cardinals oldest pitcher, too. Oldest pitcher to pitch in the World Series. At forty three. Wow. Change his arm angle to keep going. So Mm-mm. here we go. Kurt always loves the fun facts about first pitches and uh national oh, yeah. anthem. Yeah. So here we go. We're going game one, the nineteen eighty two World Series. That's it, folks. We are here. We are here. Bush. Are you in your time machine? Bush Stadium. We're at the old Bush Stadium that no longer stands. Right. On October 12th, 1982. The first pitch. Aussie Bush. Gussie Bush. Junior. Not the third. Junior. The Cardinals owner. Throws out first pitch to Daryl Porter. The national anthem sung by recording artist Lou Rawls. I don't know who the hell that is. Shoot me. Attendance was almost 54,000. Okay. Okay. And uh, here we go. I got... Kurt knows it's good when I come here. Not only do I have computer notes. <laughs> paper notes. But too. I have something handwritten yes. out. He knows, Puss knows it's good then. Yes, I, I've already had to check that out a little bit. Yeah. Now, one thing I want to point out that Kurt and I did mention uh, a little bit earlier tonight, uh, just a few minutes ago, actually, is... Uh, Bush Stadium was not a hitter's park. No. This was a pitcher's park. Uh, uh, so I don't give a shit that you hit 200 more almost. The top, all, the top of the stadium had something to do with that, I think. It's a very beautiful design stadium. Yeah. yeah. There's no denying that. It was kind of designed with the arch in mind, wasn't it? The arches? I kind of think, I kind of think so. <clears throat> right. So the wall bangers, some people could look at this like they're coming in at a disadvantage here. Potentially. Potentially, yes. Right. So, this was uh, Milwaukee's first ever game in the World Series. I want to point that out. So, so here we go. So, Mike Caldwell, <laughs> left-hander for the Brewers, yeah. Southpaw. Yeah. He pitched a complete game shutout, yeah. allowing only three hits. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And, uh, matter of fact, even though he only allowed three hits... This would he only allowed one base hit through seven innings. Yeah. Okay. Numerous uh, ground outs. Something else I want to note that at the start of this game in nineteen eighty two, this was the Redbirds' thirteenth appearance in the Fall Classic. Yeah, right. Thirteen right. appearances right. in the Fall Classic. Okay. So now let's let's get into the let's get into the game a little bit here. So uh the Brewers offense was led by the igniter. Who had a World Series record, five hits and two RBIs. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Robin Yont added four hits and uh-huh. two RBIs. The Brewers went up 2 0 in the first when Cardinals first baseman, Keith Hernandez. Luck or dogs. Yeah. 
folks we will uh we're gonna take a brief break and uh we'll be back yeah and 35 minutes later we're back (laughs) they never even know we're gone so game one yeah where were we so the brewers went up 2-0 in the first when uh Hernandez's error on Ben Oglevy's ground ball with a two on scored a run. Then Gorman Thomas hit an RBI single, scored another. Charlie Moore doubled to lead off the fourth and scored on the igniter single, while Ted Simmons would homer in the next inning. Cardinal starter Bob Force oh, allowed consecutive two out singles to Jim Ganter and the igniter in the sixth before both scored on Yance double and knocked Force out of the game. In the ninth inning, Ben Oglevive walked with one off, with one out off of Dave LaPointe, moved to second on a ground out, and scored on Don Mooney's single. Jeff Latiti relieved LaPointe and allowed a single to Moore. Ganter's triple then scored two before Ganter himself would score on the igniter single to cap the scoring at 10-0. Yep. This was the Cardinals' last, or the excuse me, this was the Brewers' last postseason win on the road until October of 2011, also against the St. Louis Cardinals, oh, which dang. will be a future World Series recap. <coughs> 2011 Cardinals Rangers at some point. Well, think about this too. Uh, just think if the Braves would have beat St. Louis, it would have been the Atlanta Braves, which against the old, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the yeah. And there was a lot of Brewer fans who were rooting for uh, the Braves because they wanted to beat the old. Uh, yeah. Do you like? Do you like deep sluts? I mean, deep stats. Oh yeah. You like super deep stats and fun oh, yeah. facts. Oh yeah. The ten o three hit shutout that was Game One was the most lopsided in World Series game history since the Yankees. Spanked the pee-pee <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Pirates 12 to nothing back in the 1960 World Series. Wow. Yeah, it was a pretty much over from the get-go. Yes. Uh, Kim, or Bob Force never. Let's, let's take a look at the box score here in game one. As I just said. Well, we know the first two hitters had nine hits. <laughs> St. Louis only managed three hits, zero runs, whereas Milwaukee was serving it up. They scored 10 runs off of 17 hits. Yeah. Yeah. So that means they would have left at least seven base runners. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Game two. Game two, the very next night, still obviously at Bush Stadium, uh, October 13th, 1982, first pitch thrown out from Lou Brock. To Daryl Porter. Uh-huh. 53,723 paying fans in attendance. The national anthem was performed by the Southern Illinois University at Carbondale Marching Saluki's Band. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really? A World Series in heaven? Okay. A university marching band. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, where, where are we at here, Puss? Game two. So the Brew Crew. Pitching, probably starting pitching. The Brew Crew pulled a Rambo. 
He drew first blood. Blood, yeah. Not me. Well, pitching matchups. Uh, <laughs> let me take a look. John Stuper. Game two. The pitching matchup for game two. Uh. For some reason I can't. I just watched it the other day. I, I was thinking of John Stuper. Uh. I'm not sure who's pitching for the Brewers though. Well, hang on. Let me look. Don let me, Sutton. Let me look. No. Game two. Don Sutton on the mound for Milwaukee. John Stuper okay. on the mound for St. Louis. All right, all, right, all, right. all right. So, the Brew Crew drew first blood in the second inning with an RBI double by Mr. Charlie Moore. Yeah, there's that guy. Okay. Again. They followed that in the third when Paul Molitor singled, stole second, and went to third on a wild pitch by Cardinal starter John Stuper. Uh-huh. And then followed that with a scored on a Robin Yunt ground out. Ted Simmons would stretch the lead to three nothing with his second homer uh-huh. in two games. Uh-huh. So Ted Simmons is already raking. Yeah. Okay. The Cardinals scratched their back in the half of the third when rookie Willie McGee singled, stole second base, and then scored on a Tom Air double. Ken Oberfeld, who Kurt's a big fan of, I like Ken Oberfeld. Oh. Kim Overfell singled in her to cut the Brewer lead down to three to two. The Brewers then made it a four to two in the fifth when Robin doubled and uh, C squared uh-huh. or C two, yeah. whatever you want to call him, <laughs> as C two singled him in. Well, in the sixth inning, Daryl Porter would tie the game up by doubling in two runs. Clutch. Then, in the bottom of the eighth. The Brewers felt the effects of not having Raleigh fingers in the bullpen. Absolutely. With one out, the most beautiful beard and hair (laughs) in the 1980s World Series. Reliever Pete Ladd pressed into service as a closer, walked Lonnie Smith with two on to load the bases, and then walked pinch hitter Steve Braun to face the go-ahead run. And I think what we're going to do, as Kurt fills time, is I'm going to try to find a clip of that because it is absolutely impressive. Let's see if I can find Pete Ladd walks. Lonnie Smith. It's impressive because Pete Ladd looks like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) I'd like to see it. I think he got squeezed a little bit too by the home plate umpire. I'm not sure. I've seen like that. I was about half loopy when I was watching this game, I think. Sleepy. What what do you mean half loopy? Just about asleep. Oh, okay. Just, out just of, about asleep. Drifting in and out of <clears throat> All right. La la. Well, we're gonna we're gonna hit the pause we're gonna pause for the cause while I find this clip and we will be right back. Cause this is important. I wanna Right. Alright, we're back. And like I said, uh tonight we was gonna change the format a little bit. There's just certain things I wanna include a little bit now. What Kurt and I just talked about with Daryl Porter and everything, you're going to hear kind of the end of that. But but here's a clip. Uh, as as I said a few minutes ago, you know it's good. Kurt knows it's good when I have all the research on the computer, but I also have an extra right, piece right, of paper with right, handwritten yeah. stuff. And on the handwritten stuff, uh, I just have Game 2 Peter Ladd implosion, which 
Yeah. Implosion's a bad word given yeah. the Titanic sub issues here yeah, lately. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Peter Ladd imploded. And uh, so so we're just going to tune in a little bit. Uh, shout out to Major League Baseball yeah. for this uh, YouTube clip here. So, like I said, you'll hear the tail end of what we were just talking about with Daryl Porter. Uh, but anyways. Kurt, you can uh, add your own commentary if you want on anything here. Don Sutton. We're still down. Don Sutton. He goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Now you watch these walks. And again, trouble brews for Milwaukee. In such a situation, manager Harding King would normally call on bullpen ace Raleigh Fingers, the Cy Young winner in 81. There's Raleigh. Fingers is out with a torn arm muscle. So the choice is rookie Peter Ladd. Look at that hair and that mustache. Straight in the championship series. Rocking it. Now you watch. Watch this. And two on. Watch this execution. Then look at Peter Ladd's face. Where was that at? I was inside. Was it inside? I looked inside to me. Look. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Two strikes? Pretty close. It looks like he got squeezed. <laughs> back to back. Walk. Where's that miss at? Look at his face. Yeah. He's a rookie in the World Series. He probably never pitched again. Oh, he did. I don't know. Now, let me ask you. So, all I have on the handwritten side of things, because we still have some more Game 2 notes right here on the computer, but on the handwritten side of things, I simply have Peter Ladd implosion. That back says it back all. Walks. That says it all. Now, you looked at those pitches. Do you think those were walks? you think those were strikes? Uh, boy. Uh, the that, one on Lonnie Smith. Oops. Two strikes, you got to be swinging at that pitch. You don't ever get. Oh, boy. I look like you got squeezed a little bit there. Okay. But, but at the same time, umpires are known to give veterans calls that they don't give rookies. And that's a fact, Jack. That's a true story. Yep. So, anyway, so he walks. Lonnie Smith, which is now going to load the bases in the favor of the St. Louis Cardinals. Then he issues a back-to-back walk to give one to pinch hitter Steve Braun to force in the go-ahead run. Right. So you know Harvey Keen's you gotta pull breaking in. furniture in the dugout right now. Well, you got to pull him right there, too. Okay. So the Cardinals could have made it worse, but McGee lined out the short for out number two. Yeah, could you imagine? Which is a rope. Yeah, it was there to catch you. Yeah. Could you imagine had that went yard? Uh, right. Uh, hats off to Daryl Porter for changing his game. Known as a pull hitter, you heard the commentators say it right before he hits it into the left center field gap. Great piece of hitting. So the Cardinals could have made it worse, but McGee lined out the short for out two, and an apparent base hit by Ozzie Smith struck Braun as he was running to second for the third out. Sutter pinched the ninth and got credit for the win. Now, one other thing of minor note here. Uh, longtime American League umpire Bill Haller 
called his final game behind home plate in this contest. He was the last umpire to ever wear ties on the field. And he was the last to work home plate in the wearing the old school yep. balloon looking chest protector, yep. which you never yep. see anymore. Yep. Which is always cool. So the box score for this game reads a little different. It's a little closer. <laughs> Milwaukee four runs, St. Louis five. Milwaukee ten hits, St. Louis eight hits. So game three. Uh I got a bunch of handwritten shit about game three. There's some uh there's some arguable calls oh, yeah. in game three. Oh. Uh, shoddy deep, man. There's some uh potential kneecap shattering yeah. injuries, yeah. which will later be found yeah. to be non shattering. Right. right. <laughs> uh and Vukovic was fucking dealing. Yeah. Uh so so let's go. We're gonna we're gonna get about uh the guys are gonna get about uh two days worth of rest. All right. We're gonna go to October fifteenth, nineteen eighty two, uh County Stadium in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh first pitch thrown out by Bob Barfliff, who was a Milwaukee Children's Hospital patient, which I just think is fantastic. That's awesome, yeah. Uh threw it out to Ted Simmons. And uh, Frances Evanrude, a singer and entertainer, I don't know who she is, she sang the national anthem uh, in front of 56,556. Now, now uh, Joaquin Andahar uh-huh. and Pete Vukovic, each team's aces, would start this game. Going into this game, Andahar was 8-0 looking for his ninth straight win. Uh-huh. Dealing, yeah. So that's that's dealing. Vukovic, and I want and I want people listening to understand this. I dig I done some dick I I done to dig 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 I did some I did some deep digging. Digging, yes, okay. Deep digging. Good holy fuck was that hard to do. That was it, but pulling eye teeth there, folks. This has been a good episode. I think this might be one of our better ones. Yes. Vukovic going into this game, game three of the World Series. Over the last two seasons, he was 32 and 10, 76 win percentage. Yep. That was the best in the major leagues. Yeah, he, 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 so he, we, we talked about all these other games, how you had hired guns, right. you know, like, like one of our best <clears throat> World Series episodes. We talked at length about. Uh, LaRusse's decision not to go to the bullpen to get Eckersley in the 1990 World Series. Right. Vukovic was every bit as good as those guys. Vukovic is not a guy that gets a lot of talk. No, he doesn't. Okay. No. But going into game three of the World Series, his overall, over the last couple seasons, he was like 32 and 10. Yeah. Okay. And he's a guy that could he, he always pitch deep in the games, too. Right. You're, you're talking complete gamers. <laughs> a lot different than are, it is now. It, Okay, I take it back. If you're not getting complete games, you're getting quality starts, which, right. as we all know, a quality start is six innings, six, is it well, not? Nowadays, it's six innings, right? But yeah. back, back in the day, your starter, he. Right. I mean. Right. So. I mean, six innings, you know, anymore is about it for a pitch, starting pitcher. Right. Right. So these two, the aces, these two guys were locked in a pitcher's duel. I mean, like a serious duel. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> they were scoreless until man, this fucking. <laughs> the paper is gone wild, folks. 
There you go. Fuck with me now, bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> Fuck with that. So, they were scoreless until the top half of the fifth. Yeah. When this little feller named Willie McGee uh-huh. belted a three-run homer for the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Really fucking McGee. So I'm gonna. I, I, I just want to read this. I just want to point this out to you guys. Just super, super fast here. Where's pudding? 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 Okay. So I text Kurt on Wednesday afternoon. I said, "Hey, maybe we'll do a mini tonight, uh, or tomorrow night." And then we we canceled. But anyways, he goes. Uh, I'm ready to watch Game Four tonight when I get home from work. Great series, Willie fucking McGee. It's that's what he texts me. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, anyway, so he belted a three-run homer for the Cardinals. Now the the Redbirds would add two more in the seventh off of Vukovic. Right. He didn't give up a lot. He was giving up some shit here. Right. Lonnie Smith would double to right center and tried to stretch it into a triple, but got thrown out. Yep. Which didn't happen very often. Lonnie no. Smith didn't get thrown out very no. often. Uh, Smith scored. Okay, I guess he didn't get thrown out. Smith yeah. scored when Jim Ganner's relay throw to third went wild. wild. That's right. Yeah. McGee followed with a home run later in the inning. He's yeah. second. He yeah. homered twice, twice in game three. Yeah. Okay. What's more important than that is his defense. Is his defense because he robbed. There's no way it's that. He thieved yeah. a home run from Gorman Thomas yeah. in the ninth inning. Well, Paul uh, Balter started that game yeah, well, off with that, a drive to the center field. Right, a deep, deep drive. Yeah, 4-2 against the wall. Yeah. yeah. Now, in the seventh with one out, Joaquin Andahar had to leave the game when a line drive from Simmons busted him yeah. right in the knee. Yeah. Now, you can find this clip on YouTube uh, for anybody who wants to see it. Uh you know, as a pitcher getting hit with a ball, we see a lot of ouch injuries. Yeah. And a lot of times, <clears throat> more people go ouch when they're top right. to the face injuries. Right. This line drive to the knee was like, damn. Right. Yeah. Like, I, look, I rubbed my knee when I seen that. And like, that had. Simmons to... smoked the ball. I mean, it was, yeah. What's funny? You want a little Oscar Academy Award winning yeah. wordplay? The pitcher who carried the team. Had to be carried himself. Yes. Ha. Off the field. Ah, nice. Nice. Right? I stole that from YouTube. <laughs> That's where I got it from. Yeah. Okay. That's where I got it from. Uh, but anyways, uh, the Brewers loaded the bases in the seventh inning, but uh, Bruce Suter, come out, Sutter, got the final out Split to, to quash their threat. Okay. Uh, C squared. Yeah. Accounted for the Brewers' only run with a two-run homer in the eighth off of Bruce, while Ozzie Smith drove in the Cardinals' final run with a walk. Suter qualified for the save in this game, even though the Cardinals had a 5-0 lead when he entered the game, since he entered with the bases loaded, meaning the potential tying run was on deck. Uh, The final score for Game 3, Cardinals were on the money. Six runs, six hits. Uh, What's... Also about this is Milwaukee scored two runs off of five hits, but they committed three errors. I was say, I, I think I said something about the beginning of some shoddy defense in this. Shoddy defense. Now we got to do a little, we got to do a little playing around here, but uh, we got a little something for you guys. Uh, let's run a test, actually, see how well we can hear the audio off the laptop. 
uh, through the headphones, and then I'll make the decision if I'm going to switch. So, oh, here we go. They're having to play ads. Don't you just love uh, ads? I fucking hate ads. So again, uh, once these ads are done playing, oh, this is State Farm. Patrick Mahomes. Fuck Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> His dad was a good baseball player. Yeah. Uh, shout out Major League Baseball. Let's see how well we can hear this, and then we'll make the decision if we got to go to the phone or not. Turn the mic up. Sounds good. I don't really like it, though. We're going to... Technical difficulties. We'll be right back. Kurt, Kurt's sitting here talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so I want to I want to take a look at some uh, some calls from Game Three. In particular, um, there was one in the second inning, third inning, second inning. Then there was another one later on, uh, which we'll have to find. But it involves George Hendrick and Cecil Cooper, and uh, we're gonna pick up audio here in the second inning. Again, shout out Major League Baseball, Kurt. Uh, I want you to look at this because we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. I already know where you're going with this. He's got something special about winning. This is kind of fucked up. Fastball misses. One ball and one strike. So Vukovic at the plate. Yeah, uh, pitching. Hendricks at the plate. Hendricks at the plate. Percentage of seventy-six. Now there's a foul ball. Yeah. Good rip. Yeah. Damn good rip. I often wonder if that man in your picture had baby blue uniform, dude. Those old Cardinals powder blues. Yeah. He's always ran very well. He's had RBI years, home run years. George Hendrick doesn't get the praise he deserves. But uh, here we go. Five cool player. Yeah. Now here we go. Here comes some controversy. And we're going to watch this and then we're going to talk about it. Because this played a pivotal part, I believe. Oh, excuse me. That was. It's coming up. We got a 2 2 count. Vukovic was just nasty. Bouncing ball. Paul Molitor, long throw. It's a fair ball. What? Got the problems now. They're yeah. calling in third base. He's calling a fair ball in first base. What's the, the third, third base umpire? Confusion. Pandemonium. Yep. Was that a fair ball? Was that a foul ball? It was a fair ball. But what's the third base umpire? He raised his hands like foul ball. Right. And look at Vukovic. He's already out there with the umpire. Yeah. Now Harvey's going to come out here in a minute. They're stumbling around. We didn't have instant replay in 82. A rhubarb. <laughs> Did Joe Garzio just say rhubarb? You could also say a brouhaha. A uh, brouhaha. Look how animated Harvey Keen is there. But what's, what's the third base umpire? So, two American 
Tiger Ray's left there bullshit. I keep waiting for the replay, but I realize we're in 1982 here. It's not coming. He's asking Cooper what he thought, and Cooper will give him the honest answer. Yeah. Like it, like I, it, I thought I had it beaten out, Arby. But like it matters, Here we though. go. Here we go. He didn't tag him, no. And Cecil Cooper is off the bag. bag. So he's safe. He's safe. Yeah. Right there. Here. Hear what he said? The umpire made the wrong gesture. Watch, watch. Here we go. Now yeah. here's your umpire. Watch him throw his hands up as a foul ball. Right here. It's right on the line. Right on the line. Right there. That's that's a foul he ball. Raise his hands in the air, which can, which can be construed as a signal for a foul ball. Yeah. Like to stop playing. Then he waved fair. Here's another angle at it. Confused Davy Phelps. Watch the hands of Jim Evans, third base umpire. Fair ball. It's right fair ball. The chalk. Molitor knows it's fair. So a confusion. Which? Okay, Kurt. So tell me. Swung the momentum. Is that? Was that a fair ball, foul ball, blown call, what? Uh, well, <laughs> it's definitely a fair ball. And either way, he's safe because Cooper. Cecil Cooper was, was did not, not tag him and it was not right, on the bag. The throw pulled him off the bag. Right. And, yeah. But what's an umpire doing there? He fucked up. Okay. Well, as far as I'm concerned. Now. Now. Which they kind of made a big deal over nothing, really, because. Either way, he's safe. I mean, right? He wouldn't have been out even if. No doubt, a fair ball. So good call. No right. doubt, a fair ball. Empire shouldn't raise both hands like that because that is a foul ball signal. Right. But it, him raising his arms didn't really change the. So outcome. here's a little bit of the audio here. That can be picked up. Well, my George Hendrick races for home, but again is blazing speed. All right, hang on. Let me back up just a hair. his say. What about Cecil Cooper? He was there. Were you off the bank? I don't know if I was off the bank. He was off the bank. Like he's going to say. Right. Did you hear Hendrick? Yeah. It was that blazing speed. his say. In the ninth inning, another profusion of confusion. Here we go. Vukovic. No, it might be Pete Ladd there. That's Vukovic. <laughs> No, that's, uh, that is Vukovic. So here we go. George Hendrick races for home, but again, his blazing speed is cause for question. Yeah, fan reaches out. Now there's Whitey this yeah. time. Ball right, he should have scored there. Interferes. Guy touches the ball. 
the fantastic. Which I think the other do something about that where a fan cannot interfere by some means of design or whatever. goes to prove that judgment is in the eye of the beholder but enough of this protraction back to the action and game four <laughs> okay two questionable so the only thing i put on the handwritten side of the notes for game four that was that uh i put failure which we'll we'll get into that so so now let, let's take a look at game four let's move on this uh this episode's been pretty good uh I do not have first pitch information for game four. Oh, well. The it's next night, October 16th, 82, uh, the national anthem sung by the Wisconsin Singers from the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. <laughs> now, this one's excited because Kurt likes both of these guys. So game four pitted... Dave LaPointe, uh -huh. 93, against Moose Haas, 11 uh -huh. and 8. For those of you keeping score at home that's not sure, LaPointe played for the Cardinals. Haas was for the Brew the Haas. Now, Haas was a veteran of six years while LaPointe had just completed his first full season. So, over the course of this game, for, six, for, for the first six innings, St. Louis seemed like they were going to take a commanding 3-1 series lead. Uh, Dave LaPointe held the Brewers to three hits uh, while his hitters plated him for a 5-1 to one lead. So far, so good, right? Well, in the top of the first inning, Ken Oberfelt doubled down the right field line and George Hendrick hit a high chopper over the middle, which handcuffed Robin Young. Uh, uh. Yep. Bounced into center field, which allowed Oberfelt to score. Okay. In the bottom of the first, Oberfelt dropped a barehanded grounder from Robin Yunts. These two are kind of fucking with each other. <laughs> Both teams in game in game four had trouble uh, fielding. Yes. We we'll, yeah. we'll call it fielding. Yeah. If you watch the highlights and everything. Uh, Some shoddy defense. Shoddy defense. Yeah. That's even better. Yes. So now two Cardinals runs came in inning number two in a very unusual way with Willie McGee on first and attempting to steal Brewers catcher Ted Simmons took a pitch out but bobbled the ball, uh -huh. allowing McGee to steal second. Yep. Failure. Failure. Uh, after a walk to Ozzie Smith, Moose Hoss's wild pitch moved McGee to third and Smith to second. Failure. Failure. Tommy Herr hit a deep fly. McGee scored easily, and Smith took advantage of center fielder Gorman Thomas slipping and falling on the warning track. Scored from and never stopped yep. scoring behind McGee for a two-run sacrifice. Never been done in the World Series. Failure. Failure. Ken Oberfelk followed with a walk, stole second, and came home when a Keith Hernandez grounder went through Gantner's legs. Yep. The Cardinals scored three times despite only one, one hit. base hit. Yep. Whitey ball. Speed puts, Whitey ball speed and puts Milwaukee. pressure on your defense. Well, you got to hurry to come up with that ball that Gander. If you show the replay of that, it was you could tell Milwaukee failure. You know, and he had to hurry because absolutely uh, fast runners. Now in the in the bottom the bottom of the fifth, 
with no one out, runners at first and third. Ozzie Smith made one of his Wizard of Oz oh, plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Gantner hit a ground ball through the middle towards center field. Smith. Oh, yeah. Off balance, by the way. Yeah. Stabbed at the ball while simultaneously stepping up on second base. Yes. Recovered and fired to first to double up Gantner. Then in the seventh inning, this is when when things completely fall apart here. So uh, with one out, Ben Oglaviv reached first when uh, Keith Hernandez tossed to LaPointe was dropped. Yep. Cardinals failure. Yep. LaPointe was relieved by Doug Bear. After giving up a two-out RBI double to Gantner. Before relieved by Jim Cat, Bear walked the igniter and gave up a bases-loaded two-run single to Robin Yunt. An RBI infield hit by Cecil Cooper and a wild pitch brought in the fourth Cardinals pitcher, Jeff Latiti. Cardinals failure. Uh-huh. The pitcher intentionally walked... Simmons and gave up another bases loaded two run single to Gorman Thomas. Latiti then issued another intentional walk to Ben Oglevig and then induced a fly out to left field to end this inning. In this inning, six runs, three of them were charged as earned, right. crossed the plate for Milwaukee on five hits and one error. Oh. Failure. Failure. Yeah. What's funny is this I just have failure. <laughs> it was failure on both teams' part, but yet each team was only charged uh Milwaukee was charged two errors, St. Louis was charged one error. Uh they're separated by two hits, St. Louis having eight, Milwaukee having ten, and separated by two runs, seven to five, Milwaukee it, over St. Louis. It, if I remember right, Robin Yount hit was a sing eye single. You know, a ball had eyes. That's what they I say. Love, I love that. A seeing eye single. Well, uh, that's a take from Joe Garagiola or Ben Scully, I think, one of the two. But yeah, it's where a pitcher makes a good pitch, and you got to tip your hat to the hitter. He fights it off and dunks one in the right field or whatever. That's, I mean, a game of inches, right? It is a game of inches. Yes. Uh, literally. That changed the whole purpose. So now the next night, Game 5, we're still in Milwaukee, October 17th in 1982. Series tied. Series tied. Uh, 56,562 in attendance. Uh, No first pitch or national anthem information. Mike Caldwell pitched his second win of the series and almost with the distance in this game. Uh, Game 5 notes, I have handwritten, I have nope. I don't know what nope means. I don't don't know what nope means. I wrote that last night when I was half asleep. I don't know what nope means. Uh, The Brewers struck first on Ted Simmons' bases loaded ground out in the first off of Bob Force. But the Cardinals tied the game in the third on Keith Hernandez's RBI double. Uh, First hit of the series. Yes. 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 Uh, The Brewers took a 2-1 lead in the bottom half on Cecil Cooper's ground out with runners on first and third, and added their lead on the Igniter's RBI single in the fifth. Well, George Hendricks' RBI single in the seventh cut the Brewers' lead down to 3-2, to two, but they got that run back in the bottom of the inning on Robin Yount's home run. That added their lead in the eighth on back-to-back RBI singles by Charlie Moore and Jim Ganter off of Bruce Suter. Yeah. Okay. 
So the Cardinals was trying to start this uh, this late comeback in the ninth inning. Uh, as Keith Hernandez doubled in a run, and George Hendricks singled him in with two outs. Bob McClure then would come in and allow a single to Daryl Porter. So now we're getting this getting interesting. This put the tying run on base, right? So McClure, however, struck out Willie McGee, then retired pinch hitter Gene Tennis to end the game. Robin Yunt set a World Series record by recording his second four-hit game. His first came back in game one. To this day, he remains the only player to have multiple four-hit games in one World Series. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Now, this was the 10th and final World Series game played at Milwaukee County Stadium, played in 57 and 58 by the Braves, which would become the Atlanta Braves, and then and also 1982. Now, the box the box score for this game was simply just fucked up. <laughs> As the Cardinals had 15 hits but can only pull off four runs. Yeah, Mike Caldwell. Right. Great job. Right. Uh, Never give up the big hit. So we take uh, we take a couple days off, and we're going back to Bush Stadium yeah. for game six. On October 19th, 1982, the first pitch was thrown out by Stan Musial huh. to Butch Yakman. Who used to be the Cardinals equipment manager Yakman. for like sixty years? Yeah, okay. that's that's impressive. <clears throat> now this one, this is a game that gets a lot of. Uh, I'm gonna pull Kirk Kelly here. I'm gonna. There you go. Oh. Uh, we'll see what happens. There you go. Yeah. Now this is a game that gets a lot of crap because Bush Stadium's lack of a. Uh, a dome, yeah, played a pivotal part. Which I hate baseball on a dome. Football on a dome is okay. Oh. how you gonna? What are you gonna do? Blast a home run that blasts out the ceiling tiles? I mean, <clears throat> I mean, football is meant to be played. The well, I love football on a dome though. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Baseball on a dome is stupid. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at you, Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> they used to. Do they still play in a dome? Yeah. yeah. But anyways. uh this caused two rain delays that, you know, two and a half hours of rain delays in, in, right. in game six. But the Cardinals fought off elimination in this game with a blowout. I yep. mean, a blowout win. And I've only got one paragraph because this game was so terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Uh, in the second inning, uh, Dane. Org. Org, who you talked about uh -huh. way early in the episode. Doubled with two outs off of Don Sutton and scored on an error on Willie McGee's ground ball. Don Sutton's Bush Stadium record lifetime zero and like eight. So we will we Fun will fact. get to that a little bit later. I have a little something in there about oh, that yeah? for you. I already right. got that. Yeah, he's like, why the fuck can I never win a game here? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tom Hurst double then made it a two-zero Cardinals lead in the fourth. Daryl Porter hit a two-run home run, then Org tripled and scored on Hur's ground out. It, the bleeding just keeps getting worse here, folks. Keith Hernandez two-run home run in the fifth made it 7-0 and knocked Sutton out of the game. In the sixth, Orgs hit a leadoff double, moved to third on a wild pitch by Doc Medic, and scored on McGee's single. 
A single and walk loaded the bases with two outs before Hernandez single scored two more runs. Hendricks single scored another. And an error on Ganter, who doubled to lead off the inning, scored on a pass ball by Cardinals backup catcher Glenn Brummer. Dana Org had two doubles and a triple as a rookie, and John Stuper won the, went the distance, helped by rain delays, <laughs> scattering four hits. Uh-huh. The box score on this game is just terrible. Uh, 12 hits, 13 runs for St. Louis. Uh-huh. Four hits, four errors, one earned run for Milwaukee. One score. Four errors are just unacceptable. Yeah. So the next night, Bush Stadium. Game seven. Game seven. October 20th of 1982. 53,723 fans in attendance. The national anthem was sang by the St. Louis Symphony. Joaquin Andujar. Yeah. Back from having his uh, knee just shattered. crapped out from under him a few games prior. Uh, tough son of a bitch because yeah. you know his knee's probably yeah. still a little swollen. Uh, uh, also heard he did some meditating with... Uh, Cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say that's, it. That's- yeah. I'm sure that's part of the routine here. Yeah. What, what, what were you going to say? He uh, had a buddy, I think, who was like Hinduism or whatever they do, the, the yeah. meditation. The, cl- the the candles and the went, weird scents. Went to the med- went to meditating before the day before. You know before. what else they do to that? You know what else will meditate you? What? You break out a fucking eight ball and just, <laughs> you hear me cutting up the crap rocks right that, now? That was... Yeah, that was in the locker room. Well, I'm you sure. should have seen your face. You just like, hey, yeah, what? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I heard he did some meditating. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm I just sure, went straight to cocaine, that, didn't I? I'm sure that's got something to do with it, yeah. I'm sure that, uh, yeah, Whitey and the boys were... Eric Clapton. Lie, we don't lie, we don't lie. But cocaine. Supposedly he went and uh, done some meditation, which helped him heal faster. They do healing and shit like that in Bogota, Colombia, where they well, got the cocaine fields. Exactly. But Andrew Hart's knee's fine. Yeah. Mm. Tough son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. She's pro- yep. It yep. is probably swollen. It's all numb from cocaine. I mean, it. you know, it's uh, Kurt Schilling, Bloody Socks, 22 years later after this. Yeah. It's old school tough. Uh, so Andrew Hart and Pete Vukovic are on the mound opposing each other again, both with some injuries. Yeah. As I said, um, Vukovic... Was suffering from shoulder pain, which would he would later describe after the game as some of the most extreme pain he's ever been in his life. I couldn't tell it. We would find out after the World Series what it was was uh, it was actually a torn rotator, rotator cuff. cuff. You talk, you're telling and me the son he, of a, pitched, he pitched with a torn rotator well, just cuff. Just look at him a little bit. You can tell he's a tough son of a bitch. Uh, you guys, Google Pete Vukovic, 1982. Uh, he pitched with a torn rotator That's cuff. That's insane. <laughs> But uh, that's what cocaine did to you back then. I mean, <laughs> you uh, think Vukovic was on that? Well, coke I'm sure uh, they probably tell tell everybody again one more time. What were the comments in the YouTube video saying? Uh, what's all that powder under their noses? <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's privy to it, right? Somebody right. besides us. So uh, this well this, known this pitcher's duel didn't last quite as bad as what game uh, three did or four did, whatever it was. It was scoreless until a. 
Excuse me. School is until the bottom of the fourth inning. Peruvian flake. What? Some Peruvian flake, probably. Some Peruvian flake. That's the good shit there, folks. All right. I don't know anything about cocaine. I know a little bit. I hope you guys have enjoyed Steel Toes and Scoreboards. This will be our last show. The fucking feds are coming for my co-host now. I always tell I know a little bit about cocaine. Not currently, right? No. Okay. Uh, okay. No. So, uh, are we going to sit here and talk about the white powder, or are we going to talk about the white ball? Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about the white ball. Eight ball. <laughs> Eight ball. <laughs> Keto. <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I can't fuck. Wow. So the game was scoreless until the bottom of the fourth inning when the Cardinals scored first on a Lonnie Smith RBI single. Skate Smith. Ben Oglevive uh-huh. tied it for the Brew Crew in the fifth with a homer. They would then take a 3-1 lead in the sixth inning when Jim Ganter scored on an error. And Cecil Cooper would knock out a sacrifice fly. In the bottom of the sixth inning with one out, Ozzie Smith would single, and Lonnie Smith doubled him to third. Now, at this point, Brewers manager Harvey Keene then pulled Vukovic. Right. In Torrent Rotator Cup. In favor of Bob McClure, uh-huh. who walked pinch hitter Gene Tennis. And I'm going to tell you right now, he got squeezed. To load the bases. He did not get any calls. Keith Hernandez then tied the game with a two-run single. He was able to make that speed with the power of the cocaine <laughs> under his nose. Uh, George Hendrick then gave the Cardinals the lead with an RBI single and then went to the dugout and asked Hernandez where the cocaine was because exactly. he wanted to run faster. Exactly. The Cardinals then scored two runs in the eighth on RBI singles by series MVP Daryl Porter. Oh, Daryl Porter. And Steve Bront. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. Now, walking into hard pitch, seven innings solid. Right. After recording the final out of the seventh on Ganter, the two men appeared as if they were going to physically fight after Andujar made a gesture and home pyre unplate Lee Weaver had to step between them and move Andujar towards the dugout to prevent a fist fight. That's the cocaine talking. <laughs> Manager Whitey Herzog, concerned that his unpredictable starter would allow himself to lose concentration after this in- incident, then turn to closer Bruce Souter. Oh, brilliant move by Whitey Herzog. For a two-inning save, Duh. his second save of the series. This was the first time since 1964 that a National League team had won the seventh game of a World Series at home when the Cardinals themselves defeated the Yankees in seven games. And as mentioned, this was the Brewers' only World Series appearance. Uh. Now, when you look at the box score for the entire... Yeah, it's going to be interesting here. We already played the winning call, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a winner. Chicken dinner. Yeah, we already played the winning call, didn't we? Yep. Well, I want to do something a little different. Everybody talked about how brilliant of a move it was by Whitey Herzog. It's a no-fucking-brainer. It's no a no-brainer. Br- no brilliance there. You bring your fucking closer in and you seal the deal. That's what you're paying for. That is what you're paying exactly. for. Exactly. As far as a brilliant move, I don't know about 
There's a lot of stuff in here. I guess I'm not going to play anything else. We're done. We played a little bit of... Oh, oh well. There's the final out. We already played that. Yeah. Okay, so I guess this is done then. Bruce fucking Suter. That's right. Uh, rest in peace, by the way. Okay, so the box score here. The Cardinals in the World Series would have scored 39 runs on 67 hits and 7 errors. Now, the Brewers, on the other hand, would score 33 runs off of 64 hits and cost themselves 11 errors. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Now, let's take a look at some good shit here. So, the igniter, Molly, Paul... Paul. Molitor. <laughs> just, you get mad at me when I say Moliter. I just think it's funny. Moliter. I don't know if I get mad. I, I feel like I need to correct you. Right Paul like, Moliter. Moliter. Molitor. Molitor. Set a World Series record with his fifth hit in the ninth inning of Game 1. Robin Yunt would set another record in the seventh inning of Game 5 by becoming the first player in series history to have two four-hit games. Cardinals catcher Daryl Porter was given the series MVP award instead of Willie McGee. Uh, We're going to get to break down of stats here in a minute. Brewers pitcher Mike Caldwell, who won two games, would have been a strong candidate, as well as Molitor. Uh, Paul would eventually win the World Series MVP as part of the 1993 team. Blue Jays. Joe Carter. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Alomar. So, uh, Devon White. Now, both teams are now in the same NL Central Division. Pat Borders. What? Uh, Pat Borders. Yeah. I'm just thinking, rethinking some in Toronto players here. Uh, John Olerud. Let me see here. Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez. Great utility guy. So, both participants are currently in the NL Central due to the transfer of the Brewers from the American League to the National League in 98. This raises the possibility of the Brewers eventually representing two different leagues in World Series competition should they ever make the World Series again. This has only happened three times before uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers of the 1889 and 1890, the Cardinals, who won the 1886 series when they were in the American Association, and the Houston Astros, who played in the 05 World Series the against Houston? the Houston. <laughs> and the Chicago Put White the Sox cheater. as a National League team. And as a 2017 World Series against the Dodgers Boo. and the AL. Yep, yep. More on that in a little bit. This makes this also one of two World Series in the modern era that is not possible to have a rematch. With the other being the Astros and the White Sox from 05 due to the Astros moving to the AL in 2013. Creepy you. The Brewers and Cardinals would later meet in the 2011 National League Championship Series. As in 82, the Cardinals won the 2011 World Series in seven games, this time against the Rangers. And as of 2015, the Cardinals' 11 championships are the, mo- are the most won by any NL team, second only to the 27 by the New York Yankees. At the time of their 1982 World Series victory, the Cardinals only had nine championships compared to the Yankees' 22. Now, the Cardinals would remain competitive for the rest of the decade and return to the World Series twice more in the 80s, in 85 and 87, but losing both times in seven games. 
We covered 85. the 85 with the Royals. We will, uh, at some point, maybe cover 87. That would have been an anniversary series yeah, last year. Right. Uh, St. Louis wouldn't get back to the Fall Classic after 87 until 2004. How uh, Got swept by the Boston Red Sox. Uh-huh. And they would not win another championship until 2006 when they beat Detroit in five games. Uh, the Brewers have not yet returned to the World Series. This, and I don't see them returning anytime soon. This would be the last championship series of the four major North American sports leagues to feature a team for the Milwaukee market until the Bucks won the 2021 NBA Finals. The Freak. And the last Wisconsin-based team to play in a championship game until the Packers, who had, uh, won the Super Bowl in 1996. Uh, fun fact for uh, all you Jersey freaks out there. <laughs> Joyzy. Joyzy. <laughs> this will be the final World Series where both teams wore pullover-style uniforms, starting with the next year and continuing until 1990. <clears throat> there will be at least one team with a pullover uniform in the series. No team has worn pullovers since the Sweep Dreams and Die Nasty 1990 Cincinnati Reds. Nasty. Now, here you go, Kurt. This is something for you. This was the final World Series telecast for longtime NBC analyst Tony Kubek and the only one for veteran announcer Dick Einberg. Einberg hosted the pregame shows and alternated play-by-play duties with Joe Gargiola, Gargiola, who himself was working his last series in that role before moving to a color position alongside Vin Scully, Uh who called the 82 World Series alongside Sparky Anderson for CBS Radio. Conversely, this was NBC's first series to telecast featuring Bob Costas. Young Bob Costas. A very young Bob Costas, by the way. Costas and Kubek would subsequently team up as the network's secondary MLB announcing team from 1983 to 1989. This included the June 23, 1984 game between St. Louis and Chicago, otherwise known as the Rhine-Sandberg game. Oh, yeah. Do you know what the Rhine-Sandberg game Uh, is? It's been a minute. I don't either. Tom Seaver. Yeah. Provided pregame analysis yep. and contributed occasional in-game commentary Rest throughout the series. Now, locally, the series was broadcast by the team's flagship radio stations using their own announcers. In Milwaukee, WISN aired the games with Bob Euchre and Dwayne Mosley. Bob Euchre. While in St. Louis, KMOX aired the games with Jack Buck and Mike Shannon announcing. So, that about wraps it up. Good series. Nope, no, it doesn't wrap it up. Oh, we got word association. We got word association. We got a little bit more unfinished business, and then we got a ranking to contend with. Right. So, we read through all the rankings, as you guys know, we do every World Series episode. So, I'm going to ask you again. My good friend. Your good friend. Where does this series stand? Uh, I tell you what. Uh, at the time this article was written in 2020, where your Dodgers yeah. won the COVID World Series, right. at the time there was 116 World Series. Right. So you can only be ranked from one to 116. Right. Where do you think this one's ranked? It's got to fall. Throw me, throw me out a number. I don't 44. give a shit. 44. 61. Okay. Now, the series leverage itself, how close the series was, come in in the top 25 at tw- number 25. The games itself weren't that close. It didn't. It doesn't think. So the games themselves are ranked 94th overall for a total combined score of the 82 World Series 
Cardinals over Brewers in seven, ranked 61 overall all time. And here's the quote. On paper, this should have been a great clash between wildly different offensive styles. That's what I was going to say. The Brewers, the Harvey Wallbangers, hit 30 more homers than any other team in baseball that year. A New York Times preview called them the deepest nine-man lineup in World Series history to date. The Cardinals, meanwhile, hit just 67 home runs as a team, barely more homers than they hit triples, while stealing over 200 bags. (laughs) Then the Cardinals outslugged the Brewers. The series gets points for going to Game 7, but loses them for a brutally awful Game 6 that preceded it. Nearly three hours of rain delays interrupted a 13-1 to Cardinals victory. Yeah, that was a sleeper. Okay. That's fair enough, I guess. uh, The Cardinals victory helped the National League win four straight World Series from 79 to 82, the longest streak of consecutive titles by the NL in World Series history. The National League would not win consecutive titles again until the 2012-2010 Giants, 2011 Cardinals, and 2012 Giants. This is the Brewers' only World Series appearance to date. Although the teams had never met before, their home cities had a commercial rivalry in beer market, (laughs) with St. Louis being the home of Anheuser-Busch, which was owned by the Cardinals, and the Milwaukee is the home of Miller Brewing. This led to this being commonly referred to as the Suds Series. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So... I don't really have a word association because I ran out of time. Well, we, we know how it's done. We know how it's done. Uh, Raleigh Fingers not being a part of this series. Uh, well, just look to, uh, what, game two? Yeah. I mean, I, I, he's definitely definitely missing. Uh, they're definitely missing him, yeah. I mean, you got to remember that they kind of rode him there, too. Daryl Porter... Getting the MVP. I disagree. Willie McGee. Willie fucking McGee. That's all you need to say. Should Willie have been MVP? Yes. 100%. 100%. Bruce Suter. Lights out. Pete, yeah. Pete Vukovic. A tough son of a bitch. <laughs> Pete Vukovic playing with a torn rotator cuff. Harvey Wallbanger's name for the, nickname for the Brewers. You asking me? Yeah. Phenomenal. I love it. Oh, Phenomenal. I love, I love it. I love it. Oh my god. <clears throat> yeah. Uh Whitey Ball. Take it or leave it. Take I leave it. it. I mean I, I do like the pitching and defense, but I, I Pete know. Pete Ladd's implosion in game, Monumental. game three. Yeah. Uh shock and all. Back to back balls. Yeah. Walk back to back walks in a clutch situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even I don't know if he pitched again. I really don't. All right, what about the Vukovic and uh Hendricks situation? Uh <laughs> a little bit of uh, fireworks here. Foul ball or fair ball? Fair ball. Safe. Yeah, really safe. Oh, the the replay shows clearly fair ball. The only the only thing here was with the umpire raising both hands. Right. The third base umpire, which kind of confused, but it really don't matter in the outcome because Cecil Cooper wasn't on the bag. Cecil Cooper, Hall of Famer or no Hall of Famer? <laughs> Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You know, what we on, forgot, you know what we forgot to look at? What's that? We forgot to look at the breakdown of all the stats here. And I, I promised you we'd do that. Okay. And we always do that. Yeah. 
Okay. So let's look at hitting statistics here. Maybe we'll get a. Uh, Steve Braun went uh, two for one, batting 500. Uh, that's pretty good. George Hendricks, 321. Solid. Dane Org. Here you go, Kurt. Here's a word association. Dane Org's 529 batting average. Uh, for a rookie? He only played in one game. Right. But uh, what clutch hits, man? Um, let's see. Ken Oberfell hitting 292. Yeah, fair. Okay. Solid. Willie McGee only hitting 240, while Daryl Porter hit 286. I'm not. I'm not really picking up. I'm not smelling what they're stepping in there, really. <laughs> Let's look at uh, some Brewers hitting statistic. Cecil Cooper hitting 286. Yeah, yeah. Ganter hitting 333. Overachieved. The Igniter hitting 355. I'm not really uh, surprised. Ted Simmons only hitting 174. Ouch. And here's the biggest one. Here's word association. Gorman Thomas hitting 115. Uh, buck 15. He's batting a buck 15. <laughs> Yeah, and this was the leading home run king right. for the American on, League, playing on one leg basically. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, another tough son of a bitch. Now, what gets me excited and gets me rock hard? <laughs> pitching. Ooh, yeah, baby. Okay. So, Joaquin Andujar had a one point three five ERA. Getting her done. Okay. Stuper had a 3.46 ERA. Average, fair, you know. Bruce Suter had a 4.7 ERA. That's a uh, home run to give up there. Yeah. Okay, now, Vukovic, 4.50 ERA. Ouch. Ouch. Mike Caldwell only had a 2.04. Yeah, lights out. Uh, uh, Moose Haas, 7.36. Uh, anybody say uh, minor leagues? <laughs> Don Sutton, 7.84. Uh, hang her up, Donnie. Hang her up, Donnie. It was in the twilight of his career. Yes. Yes. Okay. That we've now present to you was the... Uh, 82. 1982 World Series. I went just flashed back and went and relived it. That was different. Okay, so you know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to record again in two weeks like we used to. Yeah. I'm I think down. I ought to come over on a Sunday or a Saturday night. Yeah, I'm down. What are we going to talk about? Baseball. You want to do another baseball? It's freaking hard baseball season, dude. I can do back-to-back World Series. Yeah, yeah. You pick. Do you want me to pick a yep, World Series give me a, Give me a few. Give you a few options. And then. Okay, I mean, okay. Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. Well, we're going to get the listeners excited already. Are we picking an anniversary series this time or just a random World Series? I'd say we do an anniversary. So, for for those that do not remember, I did a bunch of homework starting last year in 2022 all the way up to 2024. I have one further. Anniversary series are looked at in five and ten year increments. So, for the calendar year of 2023, an anniversary series would be any series ending in a three or an eight. Eight. So, well, I already know what we're going to do in the fall. That would be... I already know what we're going to do in October. Just for you, we're going to do the 88 World Series. Right, okay. Just so we can talk about... The series itself <laughs> wasn't that good. Yeah. 
But what's everybody remember about 1988? We well, talked about Kirk, the first of the episode. Kirk Gibson, you know. We put that in our Oral sports Hershiser. moments. So, uh, and the Dodgers riding them two guys to a championship. Oral Hershiser is one of the best postseason pitchers in history. Oh, yeah. And when we sticker. talked about the 97 World Series, Cleveland Indians, Florida Marlins, Hershiser was at the back end of his career. Right. Still solid. Still solid, but but showing some wear and tear. Yeah, like Donnie sitting there in '82. Yeah. So you want to do? Let's do, an, let's do an anniversary. So you got. So. '93. You got the Blue Jays, Phils. Oh, that's tough. That's a we tough one. We also have '83. Orioles and Phils. Phils. That's tough. So we go back '73. Not sure. I'd have to look it up. A's. '73s was the. Oh. The Oakland A's and the Reds again, well, I think. Let's go eight. We got 78 Yankees, Dodgers. Yeah. 88 Dodgers, Mets. Uh, 98. 98, 98 would have been, been the Yankees and the Padres, maybe? Uh, uh, 2003 would have been the Yankees getting beat by young Josh Beckett and the Florida Marlins. Yeah. And Pudge Rodriguez. 2008 would have been my Philadelphia Phillies over the Tampa Bay Rays in six, or maybe it was five. Still have the hat. It's a little old. Uh, and then 2013, I tell you right now. I love Jimmy Rollins. Dude. I hate to keep talking about the Cardinals, but the 2013 World Series has a special place in my heart. That was Cardinals and the Red Sucks because uh, <clears throat> Boston made – Four World Series appearances after the turn of the century. They did it in 04. They did it in 07, I believe, wasn't it? I think so. They did it in 04. I think they did it in 07. They did it in 13, and they did it in 18. 18 against your Dodgers? Uh, let's just look here. I want to look a minute. I think... Uh, let's check the Google machine here. I got it pulled up. Baseball Almanac. Whoops. We have a lot of great references for this show. So, Baseball Almanac. I'd like to look at World Series. History World Series. I think they did it in 07 as well. It was... uh, (coughs) Against the Colorado Rockies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So they went four times since we turned over into 2000. The 2013 World Series is 10 years ago. That that holds a special place in my heart. Uh, me and my ex-wife were not, we weren't quite engaged. It was about a month before we got engaged. But I remember she sat there and she hated baseball and she watched all these <laughs> games with me. And it was a good game because for one year in 2013, everything broke right. Johnny Gomes, Mike Napoli, uh, Big Poppy, all these guys. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Johnny Damon? Might have been Johnny Damon instead of Johnny Gomes. Yeah, Johnny Damon. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. I would have. Uh, what about the 2017? That one was just five. That one was just. Uh, would Kevin well, 20- Euclid you have been on the team? No, he'd have been gone by then. Would he been gone by then? Okay. In 2013, he had to have been gone. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. 2017 would have pissed you off, but uh, 2018, 2018 would have too, would it not? Oh well. No, you guys won in 2018. 
No, we didn't. We yeah. got beat by the Red yeah, Sox. Yeah, you, you guys lost in five. That's what it was. Mm. That wouldn't be an anniversary anyway, would it? Yeah. 2018 would have been five yeah, years yeah. ago. But we're doing the threes and the eights. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you decide, brother. I mean, oh, I don't man. Care. Wait, Kurt's in the mood to talk World Series again. Well, yeah. I like We'll I have like to it. do like a weeknight chronicles, right. maybe something. We gotta we gotta boost these numbers. Uh and then I think what we're gonna do, I think we'll do another World Series, and then I think we'll end uh the month of July. We'll come back at the end of July, and I'm in the mood to talk a little yeah. killdozer. I, I wanna uh, apologize to two beers too. After two beers. So two beers. so yeah, so uh again, uh I reached out to them. That's sorry, brother. <laughs> What? We've we've been busy. We've They've been, been busy. Yeah. Uh, when Kurt and I originally went up there in September, they wanted us to come back every quarter. Right. Which basically every we'll just call it four months. That three every three to four months. Right. We they come down here to us. We go up there and meet them. We meet halfway, uh, which will be about Indy or so. Right. Uh, but I like the little drive up there to Richmond. I, I kind of do too. Uh, uh, the the car never been there. The car. I've never been there before either. We we made good time. We made it there yeah, in about four yeah. hours. I wasn't much of a drive, really. About four hours of road time. We only had to stop and pee once. We were doing pretty good. Right. And if someone get their license back, well, they can help drive. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So we're gonna we will bring you guys more information on that. And uh, you know, thanks for sticking with us. We've we've got. Uh, I've got a big year planned for us. If I can. If I can just make it happen, I have a super big year planned for us. Uh, Content-wise, uh, we're going to try some things. Um, we're going to do a little bit more storytelling towards the second half of the year. Uh, we need to get back to a, yeah, a, a, a steel toes. A steel toes. I think after this World Series, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover Killdozer. Oh yeah, I'd I want to tell the yeah. story of Killdozer, and then. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try a weird flex on everybody. All right. <laughs> if Kurt if Kurt allows it, we're gonna we're gonna have our first true crime episode. I was gonna say soccer. That <laughs> <laughs> was getting ready. To we come don't. Done. We've only put soccer on this show once or twice, right. and that's been in a weeknight. And even then, it was only because it was major news, right, like right. like the death of Pele or yeah, something. Right. Right. But we're gonna try a true crime episode if if Kurt will let me because. There is a unsolved Indiana murder that I just found out about like a month ago, and I'm fascinated with this story. It uh, happened in Speedway, Indiana, which is basically right there by the Motor Speedway. Right. It's called the Burger Chef Murders, oh. and it went down in the in the 80s or the early 90s. Uh, four or five high school teenagers that worked at this burger shop restaurant. Uh, this fast food place, this diner, it, they went missing. And when investigators found out, people found out they were missing, they, you know, all the all the kids' stuff was there, like coats and hats and purses and car keys. Foul play. But the safe was broken into, so they thought maybe the kids stole it and uh, just left. Well, about a day, day and a half goes by, and then all four or five bodies turned up in the woods in the Indianapolis area, and dead. One of them decapitated. Eey. They never found the suspect. They never got an answer on what happened. As That's far as I know, cold case then, yeah, yeah. But it happened. It, it's you know, it's 
unsolved homicides happen everywhere. Oh, yeah. But in the state of Indiana... Somebody knows something. In the state of Indiana, it doesn't happen very right, often. Right, right, right. And I, it just, I read this story, and i never seen it before. I actually found it on TikTok, and then I went down the rabbit hole, which TikTok's just like YouTube. I Adam Sweet, hole, Adam dude. Sweet, I'd tell you, this is all your fault. He'd send me so much shit on Facebook, and I'd have to open it up. And I'd open it up and say, must download TikTok to watch this. Like, I ain't doing it. So finally, after like month three, I'm like, this dude sent me like 30 links of videos to watch. So I finally made a TikTok. And then uh, just rabbit hole. Uh, Then I started making TikToks. Rabbit hole. When you go down there, you know what you find? Everything. Evidence. You know, I made a TikTok. Oh, yeah? And I put some videos out there. And uh, one of my favorite, one of my most watched videos, everybody laughs at it. It's a joke. It says, uh, I, I make this, I get this funny filter to put on my face. Makes my face look, <laughs> makes my face look kind of like Stewie Griffin. <laughs> and it, and I say, dog, I you know, say. You know, what I, you know what I say in there? It's like, Brian, I'm smoking. They say, when you wake up in the morning, you can be whatever you want to be and you can make today whatever you want to make it. Well, when I woke up this morning, I wanted today to make me a skinny, blonde, good-looking guy with a huge dick. <laughs> and then I said, and then I said, but, uh, and I looked down at my crotch, I think I better go back to bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen, you know, so I think I better go back to bed. <laughs> so what you're saying is your dicky-do. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. This is a little bit of bonus content on our 75th episode here. Hey, tell everybody yeah. what a dicky-do is. It's when your belly stick out further than your dicky-do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should hit this or if I should hit... Well, probably both. Probably both, I mean. <laughs> you know what? If I get a, if, if I get an equipment upgrade, we can play both at the same time. That's <laughs> when your belly stick out further than your dicky-do. Hey, do. you know what? This, this equipment's made this show... Right, and this equipment's made the other podcast I have. Well, and uh, for for all in for me and you, all in for like eight hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks, and three of that I put out myself just for the laptop. Right, I didn't make you help me get that, but I knew I needed it for research. It, it served you well, and it served me well. Look at that; it is a small ass laptop. That's what they consider a notebook. <laughs> it's not a real laptop, but it was only it was cheap. A lot of information in there. Uh, fifteen thousand words this week. Nice, nice, nice. All I had to do was watch film. Yeah, you got the easiest job on the show, don't you? I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like it that way, dude. Oh, I'm yeah. telling, I'm having fun. I'm, 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 I'm having serious fun right here. Well, yeah, it's been a fun episode. It's, it has been. It's a holiday episode, right? Tomorrow's the Fourth of July. Right. Kurt and I are gonna get naked, sit in these chairs, <laughs> and eat Cheetos together. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Kurt always goes. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do people listen to this show I don't know You gotta wonder Hashtag tits We The fucking ship sailed there man I'm telling you so, uh, If we would have named our Tits Okay We would have got listeners immediately Just so, because so, so I was at work the other day At the butcher shop Yeah And uh, I was talking to somebody And somebody else overheard And they're like You got podcasts I'm like yeah, I've got two of them. They're like, what? I'm like, well, the the ones, uh, you know, I'm a Freemason. I was like, you know, uh, the other one, I, 
I'm a completely different person on there. I was like, because I, you know, I, I don't use foul language. I, 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 uh, I try to be more civil. I was like, the other one, the original podcast, I was like, it's a free for all. I was like, it's a free for all. I'm like, it's fucking stupid. I was like, don't listen to it. He's like, what's it called? And he was already pulled out his phone. I'm like, don't. I was like, it's called Steel Toes and Scoreboards. He looked at me. I said, I know. I said, I should have called it the hashtag tits podcast. And he said, tits. And he gave me that weird look. I said, two idiots talking sports. sports. The guy behind him goes, boy, you've been fucking waiting to break that out, haven't you? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, man, we had that fucking playing like I should have. Uh, uh, he just, he didn't miss me. He goes, boy, you've been waiting yeah. to break that out, haven't you? I guarantee you we'd have picked up. I'm t- that's what I told him. Like, we'd have 300 downloads a month. Yeah, easy. Easy. If someone coming along and see tits. No. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this. So, even though I'm, I've got this other podcast, it's really taken off, and I'll get to that in a minute. Steel Toes and Scoreboard was always me and you. All right. That's always going to be my focal point. But this other podcast has taken off. Don't ask me what my numbers are on that other show. You're going to ask me now, aren't you? Well, yeah. So it's just a podcast about being a Freemason, right? Right. Uh, January of 2022, or December of 2022, November... Hang on, I'll tell you. Since since you got me, you're you're not gonna like this. You're not you're not gonna like this at all. So I'm it's logging me in here. <laughs> you should see so, you should see Kurt's face right now. So this is just the other podcast, okay? And it's it's taken off. We launched the week of Thanksgiving in November. Okay. So you you got to think the week of Thanksgiving you've got seven to ten days before it hits December, right? So for that one seven to ten day period, we had eighty nine downloads. We shoot to December of twenty twenty two, three hundred and fourteen for the month. January of this year four sixty nine, February four ninety, March three fifty five, April four fourteen, May five sixty two. Last month June five hundred twenty seven. This month, three days in, ten downloads. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Freemasons are, it's an interesting, uh, I need to check out some of your podcasts here. It's uh, its definitely a different Jared. Well, it's a, I'm, it's I'm a sure. very It's a very there's different a, there's Jared. There's a little bit of uh, mystique and mystery around the Freemasons. You want to know, this is bonus content after Steel Toes and Scoreboards right. after dark. <laughs> Do you want to know the whole reason this podcast equipment's even here? You know why I was originally supposed to start this? This was supposed to be just me by myself doing a pro wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the one thing I want to talk about more than anything? Oh, wrestling, yeah. But what's the one show I don't have that surprises everybody? Ah, uh, wrestling. What? <laughs> Explain that. Well, I don't know. Hey, so, so I'd how- like to delve into your Freemason. Uh, I mean, what, what kind of content are we talking? So we just talk about... Uh, experiences i tell you where i was last saturday uh last saturday we we tried we left we left town last friday night uh june 23rd I mean, we left town do you good do you delve into the history yeah of well, sometimes we, we went to uh we went to a little town outside of effingham illinois it was about a three and a half hour drive we went to Illinois to watch a Master Mason degree, which is the, the third degree before you become a Freemason officially. And uh, 
there's a young man there getting raised to the sublime degree of a master mason but the degree was being performed by a traveling degree team from oklahoma okay i see your eyes glazing over basically <laughs> there, there's a his own lodge could have conferred this degree upon him but he chose to be a part of something special there was a degree team that travels that comes from oklahoma okay no big deal right the entire degree team that comes from oklahoma consists of native americans okay this degree team has like 15 to 20 guys they usually only send 15 out on the team for the degree there's like 30 something different tribes represented okay again no big deal right? right well you're not a freemason but what i can tell you about masonry is the second half because you do a half of the degree you'll break to eat you know dinner or if you're doing them in the morning breakfast whatever the second half of the Master Mason degree in Freemasonry is one of the most beautiful, rich in symbolism things a man will ever see in his life. The third degree was done by this degree team in full Native American tongue and full Native American headdress nice. and regalia. Uh-huh. One of the most beautiful things I've ever been a part of in my nice. life. I'll show you some pictures here in right, a little right. bit. Um, but yeah, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, th- those numbers are, are just are just crushing it. Well, I, and, I'm and happy I, for you, bro. Because I ended up getting some sort of cross publishing. It started as a as a total accident, a joke. But uh, apparently, some of the people I'm, I'm that has found me and my other co-hosts on our other show has found their way to this one because I always reference, you know, how we started the Masonry podcast was because I had podcast equipment because of the one I was doing with you. Well, then uh, somebody wrote into the show and asked about the other podcast, and I said, don't listen to that. It's called Steel Toes and Scoreboards. I'm like, I'm a complete idiot. My co-host <laughs> is a douchebag. <laughs> like, don't listen to this. And then uh, numbers started ticking, and then I'm like, these numbers are ticking from the same region that we're getting downloads from on the ma- – so now it's it's cross-pollinated. So, well, uh, I'm all for a gain. Yeah. 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 So uh, – Okay. Let's put a bow on this. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt's ready for bed. Yeah, I'm just about ready for it's bed. It's 10 o'clock, but he's he don't have to work tomorrow, but he's old and tired. I am old. He worked in the sun today. I he's did hot. work in the sun today. Yeah. yeah. His I garden. Got me a tan going Green on. thumb. Oh, yeah. Oh, my garden. You all see my garden. I'll show you some pictures sometime. All right. All right. So, I guess that, that re- presents, that wraps up the yep. 1982 World Series. Congratulations to the St. Louis Car Gals. Yeah. Uh, and Whitey Ball. Whitey Herzog. Yeah. You know what was funny? Take him or leave him. You know what was funny? What's that? Seeing him get his ass kicked three years later by the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. Way yeah. to go, Don Dinkinger. And, and and in 87. Against the Twins. Yes. Who we ended up covering uh, four years later after that when they beat the... No. Yeah. yeah, we covered that. Yeah, we covered that against the Braves. Braves. Yeah. No. Jack Morris. Yeah, Jack Morris is fucking tough. And that would have been Malter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's won two World Series, folks. This is uh, 19... 19... So, our next episode will be a anniversary. It'll be an anniversary World Series, so it'll be sometime... Uh, and any year ending in a five or any uh, year three, ending three. or any year ending in a three or any year ending in an eight. I'm yeah. sorry. Cause we do them in five or 10 year increments. 
You know, you we give, you give me three choices. Right. We we could do the '83 World Series, Baltimore and Philly. The '78 Yankees and Dodgers. '73 A's and Mets. I thought it was the A's. Metropolitan. We did 68 already earlier this year. So, 63, Dodgers over the Yankees. Uh, 58, Milwaukee Braves over in the Yankees. There you get. I mean, Yankees and Brooklyn Dodgers in it, 53. Neither one of us was even a thought. There. No, but hey, you know what? We got a lot of downloads off our Vintage World maybe, Series episode. Maybe we should pop yeah, Apparently, some people like the Vintage stuff. Check this out. 1948 World Series, six-game series, Cleveland Indians over the Boston Braves, 4-2. to two. A six-game series? A six-game series. How would that work? Because they are well, okay. I take it back. It was sick because they won in four. It was okay, they won okay. four to two. Okay. I was like, wait, wait, it took me a minute to figure that out. Like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. So there's a there's there's some good ones. Did we already murder Row? No, we need to. We need to. 1927. Murderers wrote coolest fucking nickname yeah. ever. Right up there with Harvey's Wallbangers. Harvey's Wallbangers. But it's better than Harvey's Wallbangers. Murderers Row. Like, no. Can we before we get off the air here, I know you're wanting to can we just can we just put Murderers Row in the Google machine? Because yeah. I don't I want to remember all again who was on Murderers Row. Besides the ones that we obviously know. Murderers Row. Murder, Murder's Row. Here we go. Murder's Row. Here we go. There we go. Murder's Row were the baseball team of the Yankees in the late twenties. Uh, it's widely consisted of some of the best names in history, but it's most notably associated with one calendar year in particular, the nineteen twenty-seven season. Uh, let's see. The 1927 Yankees would eventually send six players, along with manager Miller Huggins and President Ed Barrow, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. This would include Babe Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, uh, Hoyt, Lazary, Combs, and Pinnock. Uh, so, uh, Earl Combs, Mark Koning, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig. There's two names I really Tony Lazary, Joe Dugan, Pat Collins, Bob Musel, uh, yeah, Ben Pascal, Benny Bingong. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, Johnny Grabikowski. Grabikowski. Oh come on, man! Mike Gazella. Gazella. Wow. Walter Hoyt, Herb Pinnock, oh, George Pipergrass. 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 <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, Kurt's like, that's enough. That's enough recording for one night. I'm old. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, I, I have missed you. <laughs> yeah, I miss uh, work. You know, I ain't got nobody to bounce anything off of you. You know what I mean? Literally. You got your boy. But he's not. He, he's not he, he don't do it like me and you do no, it. No. He, he don't. He's like sports, but he never, not into the. 
He's a pirate fan. Poor guy. A Pittsburgh Pirates fan? Pittsburgh Pirates fan. That explains a lot. Well, even if, well, you know, 79, we are family, right? All right, so uh, you got anything to add? Anything for Kurt's Corner? We know, uh, you know, we only did one episode of Kurt's Corner, and we never did anything. <laughs> so, so for those of you that do not remember, that's a callback to an episode from 2021 at some point. Kurt's Corner is what I call it's just a two-minute window for Kurt to get any thought of his that's in his head out and share with the world, whatever it is. Move. What is it? Got anything for Kurt's Corner? Um, this is like his two-minute soapbox where we just let him go. Mid-States Corridor. The Mid-States Corridor. Going on right here in the state of Indiana. idiots. Okay. Okay. Save four minutes to get to Indianapolis. You know who's behind a lot, big portion of yeah, that? I do. Hank Minky, yep. owner of uh, Styline, yep. OFS Brands. Uh, Dubois <laughs> County is the furniture capital of the world. Uh, 80% of the factories in Dubois County are all furniture manufacturing. Uh, Office furniture, hotel furniture, hospital furniture, restaurant furniture. It's all furniture. Minky yeah. owns one of the biggest furniture factories in Dubois County. And a lot of people don't give a fuck. <laughs> The uh, Mid-States I mean, Corridor will save you about four minutes of travel time. And it's going to wipe out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds ginseng, of thousands of ginseng, mushrooms, farmland, farmland, woods, ponds. It's going to break farms that have been in families for years and decades. Uh, literally split them in half. Pretty much. Don't And the amount of money that these people it. are being offered for their land is a slap in the face, slap in by the, the way. Face. And well, just imagine you own 200 acres and... Your, the highway comes through, and you have a 50-acre field right across from your house, and you got to drive 10 fucking miles down the road to get to it and yeah. come back. I'd drive right through the fence. <laughs> this is why I love Kurt's Corner. We're just dragging it all out tonight. Well, I mean, come on. If you want to do anything, there's already 231 there. Why not straighten it up in a couple places and put another lane right there? That's the least environmental impact. Look at that's, you. That's not even, it's not even consideration, though. No. Greta Tumbai will be appreciative of your conser- conservation she efforts. for the dick, too. <laughs> <laughs> wow! You heard me right. We are that. <laughs> eat it. Kurt even can't say it again. I'm leaving it in. I'm not fucking editing it out. Well... I, I'm, yeah, I'm, fine I'm fine with it. I don't care. And you know, it's supposed to be right down the road here too. It's about ready to hit the farm here. It's supposed to be right across, right across the uh, next property. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Huh. Wolverine. The Wolf Man uh, will not be very happy. Negative. Negative. <laughs> uh, got- that's that's all my mind. Was on my mind. Okay. Know, sorry, no, that's, that, that's hey. We don't we don't put a buffer on it. It's Kurt's corner. Well, I mean, somebody's got a lot of money in the pool. That's right. I wish I had some of it. Yeah, I just don't make any sense. Okay. Right. Like, All right. Yep. Right. Right on, brother. Word Association final one of the night. Yep. The 1982 World Series. Entertaining. On and, all levels. And we'll end it there. So for Kurt Kelly. The short-haired, goateed <laughs> bastard. He's no longer bearded. <laughs> Never I am, beautiful. I am the fat man, Jared Atkins. This has been another episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboard. We thank you guys for allowing us to suck three uh, hours and ten minutes right. out of your life tonight. Feedback. Feedback. We greatly appreciate it. We still appreciate the downloads. Yeah. Why you people still tune in, I don't know. But uh, 
We only put out three mini episodes last month. We're very busy. Weeknight Chronicles were busy, and you guys still managed to hit us with 78 downloads for the month of uh, June, which is impressive, and we appreciate people going deep diving in our catalog. Right. right. So if episode 75 officially in the books, and we will see you guys back in a couple weeks, unless we see you sooner for a Weeknight Chronicles. Peace out. Peace, love, and nuji.